Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Using free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Friday, the 7th of July. Year of Our Lord, 2023. Today, we're going to talk about pharma, the vaccines, the things that they are so desperate to keep secret from us. But the truth is coming out. It's coming out to the extent that you even have mainstream media saying, um, do we have uh, long-term effects of these vaccines? But there are many, many studies around the world showing what this is, and yet, at the same time, the FDA is not budging an inch on any of this. We're also going to take a look at what is happening with Twitter. And several of you comment about the fact you can't watch the show or watch it very long on Twitter. We'll explain what's happening with that and uh, other places, of course, where you can uh, find the show. And then we will take a look at artificial intelligence. Have they gotten ahead of themselves on this? And is it going to crash the stock market? We'll be right back. There's a lot of news about what is happening in the social media uh, avenues. And, and, of course, that is the public square. It's a digital public square. And that's why it's important why it should not be shut down. We have a court decision telling uh, the Biden administration. And, by the way, it's not just the Biden administration. If you look at the people that are involved, and Brownstone did, we'll talk about this. Um, if you look at the people involved, this is two administrations. This is Biden and Trump, as I've said before. They're two sides of the same globalist coin. And we're looking at a second term for these two people. Uh, presidents are always the worst in their second term. They see themselves as unaccountable. They don't care. They care more about 
you know, how they're going to appear to the establishment and the establishment press for their legacy and that type of thing. Very dangerous. But let's talk about what's going on with Twitter. Uh, I've had Kenny from Iowa. Other people have uh, sent this to me. He says, I've watched you on Twitter since you started providing uh, excellent content. Well, thank you on your own. Twitter won't let me watch your show anymore unless I sign up for Twitter. I've been kicked off six times by Twitter. Uh, same thing is happening to my wife. She does not have a, um, you know, she, she watches it. Uh, Karen watches it with uh, an account that we didn't pay the $8 for. And, um, and that's the reality of this. Now, you know, you'll hear people say, and we'll talk about what is happening with artificial intelligence, Google coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to scrape information off of uh, everything on the internet to train our artificial intelligence. And already OpenAI is being sued by people for uh, copyright violation and theft of intellectual property. This is an interesting development, and we'll see what happens with this. I suspect, here's what I think is going to happen, regardless of what should happen. I think that uh, the prevailing thing here is going to be not even money. I think the prevailing thing here is going to be the perception of national security. These people will look at this and say, well, if we shut this down because of piracy, understand that piracy has never been a concern for the Chinese Communist Party. They will continue to develop their artificial intelligence, and we will be at a strategic disadvantage. And so we'll find whatever justification we need to to allow, the, uh, to allow Google and OpenAI and others to engage in intellectual property theft. That's the reality of this. They will find some prevarication or rationale for this because it's what they want for national security. Uh, but getting back to being able to watch the show, uh, it does kick you off right now because uh, if you use it uh, for very long, uh, just understand, in my opinion, uh, this is about uh, Elon Musk wanting to uh, get you to pay him the $8 and then him wanting to get Google and others to pay him to take that data. It has always been considered for legal purposes, going back to the phone companies in the middle of the 20th century, when you had the CIA and the NSA from their inception, uh, basically going to the phone company and saying, we'd like to get uh, this information, these phone records and so forth. They didn't have to have a warrant. They maintained the fiction, in my opinion, that information about my account belonged to AT&T, who at the time had a government-created monopoly. And uh, AT&T owned all the information about my phone records, and they could just turn them over willingly. You know, no search warrant required. I mean, the government can always ask, and if somebody wants to give something to them, they can. The issue is who owns it. And again, because of national security, they said, well, we'll pretend that the phone company owns all of this stuff. And of course, if the phone company has been given a lucrative monopoly from the government, they're not going to object to anything that the government wants. So that's been the case all along. It's one of the reasons why you had the church committee hearings and the Pike committee hearings about the CIA and everything. It wasn't because of the assassinations, as I've said so many times, or the heart attack guns. It was because they were spying on Americans from their inception without search warrants. And they were supposed to be looking at foreign 
enemies, but they were always about domestic citizens. So when we get back to this, again, I think this is about Elon Musk wanting you to pay him, wanting Google and OpenAI to pay him. But the reality is, is that they're going to do it. So where can you find the show? Well, if you go to thedavidnightshow.com, whenever something doesn't work or you get shut down on, you know, the, uh, the show gets shut down on some venue because that continues to happen and it will continue to happen. Uh, I don't think censorship is going to get any better. But when something like that happens, go to thedavidnightshow.com and you'll find other places. We have um, the show live on Rumble, on Rockfin, on DLive. Uh, we on Odyssey as well, I think. Yeah, on Odyssey as well. So it's live on all those different places. And uh, so if uh, Twitter's not working, uh, you can always join us in those other places as well. And we have lively communities on both Rumble and Rockfin as well. So Musk is threatening now also to sue Meta, you now Facebook, Instagram, the, the parent company, the new name of um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, for ripping off Twitter. We had uh, Zuckerberg introduced his uh, Twitter version, his copycat Twitter version. He calls it Threads. And uh, so lawyers for Twitter have uh, filed a, um, a letter threatening legal action serving Zuckerberg, accusing Zuckerberg's platform of engaging in, quote, systematic, willful, and unlawful misappropriation of Twitter's trade secrets and other intellectual properties. He also accused Meta of hiring dozens of former Twitter employees who had insider access and knew of trade secrets. Well, there you go. It's going to be interesting. I, I think these guys probably just need to, you know, fight it out somewhere, don't you? <laughs> Don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I'll be really surprised if that happens for real. But uh, they keep talking like it's going to happen. But I think, you know, they just need to go duke it out, right? Uh, Meta has launched <laughs> uh, what uh, many people are saying, a, a data harvesting Twitter clone, and immediately starts censoring people. This is what this has always been about. As I've said for the longest time, uh, as the internet was coming together, in the late 1990s and becoming practical because of increased bandwidth capability. Prior to that, it was an idea. It began with DARPA, began with a psychologist, J.C.R. Licklider in the 1960s. And uh, so that gives you an insight as to what they were wanting to do. It is a tool of psychological control. It is a way that they can push out what they did weaponized in a big way uh, since 2020, and that is to uh, use the Milgram experiment as well as the Ash experiment, arguments from authority, peer pressure, all the rest of this stuff. But it also provides them a way to scrape all this data off and to look at what everybody is doing. And so you had all these intelligence agencies were involved on the venture capital firms that picked the people who would be allowed to compete just as they pick the politicians who are going to be allowed to compete in the um, in the elections, they picked these competitors and then made the best one win, right? Strongest one win. And then they funded it so that everybody got it for free. Uh, you had the CIA even openly create a venture capital firm called Incutel. Everybody was very concerned about total information awareness, which is what uh, the government wanted to do in terms of spying on everything for everybody and setting up what they called a life log a dossier on everybody. 
And um, the, the title of Snowden's book was Permanent Record. That's what they also wanted. It's a life log permanent record. They said, all right, all right, we'll shut it down. And the very next day, Facebook launched. Zuckerberg has always been a part of this. And so, of course, he's going to have data harvesting and censorship. That's what these social media things were designed for. They were designed so they could do geospatial intelligence, anticipatory intelligence, so they could identify your political beliefs, your religious beliefs, and everything else. They could see who you're connected to. Uh, it is a dream come true for Big Brother. And so, of course, that's what this is going to be about. And um, so many people are saying, I I'm not going, by the way, don't look for me there. I'm not going to bother. Uh, you know, I've been hard censored on Facebook and Instagram for over five years now. I'm not going to bother to try to play in that space. I don't like social media anyway, uh, especially the people who've censored me this, this much. Um, and so it is directly linked to Instagram, which has over 2 billion users. So it is a big competitor to Twitter. Uh, meanwhile, data privacy and censorship concerns have emerged with former Twitter owner Jack Dorsey highlighting the vast amounts of data collected by this new program, Threads. He says, all your threads belong to us. Within a few hours of launching, it was already secretly censoring users and not offering them any right to appeal. As one person said, Meta is already too powerful. One company controls what much of the public is allowed to see. And if threads succeeds, it will have 80% of the global market outside of Russia and China, according to one industry insider. As such... It's reasonable to expect that Meta will censor precisely the same way the large news media corporations, including New York Times and corporate advertisers, want it to censor, as well as the government. More censorship is why the mainstream news media, big corporations, and their celebrity pitch people have been demanding. Well, and of course, um, <clears throat> it is uh, that's Michael Schellenberger who said that. Uh, he leaves out the government for some reason. I don't understand why. Because understand... You know, social media has been the handmaid of government and all this censorship. They give them plausible deniability. They are the velvet glove of the iron fist of government censorship. Certainly this judge has now seen through that and called it out. But uh, they are the deputized state. Schellenberger further noted that within hours of launching threads, is already secretly censoring users and not offering them any right to appeal. Um. One person said, uh, I just downloaded and signed up for the new meta app Threads to, uh, that's meant to imitate Twitter. I posted once, once, about wanting to expose Biden's corrupt government, and they've already flagged me for censorship. Great platform, Zook. And that was from DC Drano. Um, <laughs> Threads, another person uh, said, um, uh, Threads flashed a warning. After users clicked on Utley and O'Hanley's profiles, another couple of users, the warning said, are you sure you want to follow? This account has repeatedly posted false information. Repeatedly posted? You just launched it. Oh, well, they've already got you on a list, right? Uh, that's what I'm saying. This is um, <laughs> uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, tweeted for the first time in 11 years to mock Musk uh, about, hey, look, I've made a copy of your program here. Uh, so as all this is happening between Facebook and Twitter, Google has now taken the unusual step to say that it will scrape everything online in order to train AI. What is unusual about this is it's, it's common for 
tech companies to put in their terms of service that they're always changing and you got to, you know, uh, get a lawyer to read this or you can just click I accept it and continue to use it. But uh, they're now saying, typically they'll say, well, we uh, are going to use the data that you've got here. We're going to sell it. We're going to give it to the government. We're going to do whatever we want to with it. And you agree to this, right? But they're putting this out for all of the internet. It's not just terms of service for using some Google product like, um, you know, their browser or uh, not their browser, their uh, search engine, so-called search engine or YouTube or something like that. They're just saying that uh, we're going to grab everything out there. I don't know how that's going to uh, work out for them, frankly. Uh, they consider the internet fair game, the entire internet fair game for relentless data collection systems, says Breitbart. Gizmodo reports that Google updated its private policy, privacy policy, uh, and everybody in the tech world is saying, what's going on with this? Uh, you've just given yourself the right to um, uh, everything that's posted online to train your AI tools. And, of course, they've been doing this with the search engines, and uh, yet the search engines are directing people to websites where if the people at the website, the news organization, whatever, wants to put up some kind of a pay firewall, then uh, they can do that. So this is different. It's going to grab that information and use it. And already you have chatbots, and they just had to pull back on these chatbots because they were grabbing information that was behind paywalls and putting it out there for everybody else, and that's the key thing. So they're going to be uh, going everywhere and grabbing everything. I, you know, they, um, they know that I exist, but they have memory hold me. I don't exist anymore as far as Google is concerned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And when you look at the information that's out there, they're not going, they're, they're going to look at what I say. And they're not just going to memory hole it, but they're going to oppose it. They will oppose it and they will oppose me actively with artificial intelligence. I really do believe that's what, how this is going to be used. It's going to be used in an offensive way. It's not going to be, they're going to go on offense. They're not just going to try to make you disappear. Uh, and uh, they will look at information coming from people that they don't like. And they will use that to train AI to gaslight people about that. Okay, so here's what this guy's saying. Here's his argument. So, yeah, here's your counter arguments against that. Uh, so the only thing that's really changed with Google is the fact uh, that the new level of hubris that is there, really. And again, you know, making available 
uh, stuff uh, that people wanted you to pay to see. The legality of scraping the internet for data is a gray area, says uh, Breitbart, and it's likely to be a topic of legal debate in the coming years. It's not all clear, together clear that this is legal. Uh, but that has been the basis of the search engines. But again, this is grabbing the information, making it its information, and then pushing that out, repackaging it, and pushing it out. It's not just pointing to different people. Now, we look at the uh, court decision that came out, and, uh, and it is an important decision from this judge, and it is a preliminary decision. The, the lawsuit has not been decided but the judge made it very clear that he thinks that uh, these plaintiffs are going to prevail uh, in terms of the, the uh, conspiracy, if you will, <laughs> uh, between the government, both the Biden administration and the Trump administration, and the social media companies. And so they say, Biden, and you'll see this in the headlines, nobody talks about the fact that it was Trump. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Biden likely violated First Amendment during COVID-19 pandemic, federal judge says. And so when you look at the conservative media, they will criticize Biden justly for doing this. But they won't talk about the Trump administration's position in this. And then when you look at the left or mainstream media, uh, they get very upset with this judge. No, you should be. The government should be working with these companies to censor stuff. We should have censorship. That's the position of the left and the mainstream media. The right says, well, this is Biden's problem. Nobody's getting the big picture here. Uh, and, uh, and that leaves us vulnerable. Yes, it's good to oppose censorship. But it's also good to know who your friends and your enemies are. Who is the friend of free speech? And who is your enemy? In the same way that Trump and Biden both view the Second Amendment as something that they can override, with an executive order, bump stocks and pistol braces and all the rest of this stuff. They see the same thing about the First Amendment. They're not bound to support that either. So this uh, lawsuit that's in uh, district court, the judge has issued an injunction prohibiting Biden officials from talking to these social media people and saying that it's likely that this lawsuit is going to prevail. So that's very encouraging. Now, again, that it has not decision has not been made. Uh, it will be appealed to the Supreme Court, and who knows what they're going to do? Frankly, like I say all the time, they're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. A U.S. District Court judge is temporarily preventing White House officials from meeting with tech companies about social media censorship, arguing that such actions in the past were likely First Amendment violations. Of course, they were. This is an injunction by Louisiana Judge Terry uh, Dowdy, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Recent lawsuits from Louisiana and Missouri attorney generals. They allege that the White House coerced or significantly encouraged tech companies to suppress free speech during the so-called pandemic. He is barring several federal officials and agencies, including some cabinet members of the White House and uh, White House press secretary specifically, a long list of people. Matter of fact, if you look at the Brownstone article on this, it goes for a couple of different pages of people that are specifically mentioned. Stay away. And again, we can see um, in, from this lawsuit that it was the Trump administration as well. 
Google, Meta, Twitter were all named in the lawsuits. The injunction states that the government's actions, quote, likely violate the free speech clause, unquote, and that the court, quote, is not persuaded by defendants' arguments dealing a significant blow to the White House. Biden is losing a lot in court. And it's not because the court system has been taken over by right-wing activists. It's because Biden thumbs his nose at the rule of law on every occasion, on every issue. And he has from the very beginning. And he's always been that way. Again, I'll never forget the confirmation hearings of Clarence Thomas, where he was outraged about the fact that Clarence Thomas had written about natural rights. That is the foundation of the Declaration of Independence, the foundation of our government. The idea that we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. Biden hates that idea. He thought it was a dangerous idea. At the time, he was not mentally challenged, and he understood that it could eventually lead to what happened with the Dobbs decision, where Clarence Thomas and other justices would say, um, you don't have this authority under the Constitution. And we're going to return that to the states. During the pandemic, a period perhaps best, this is what the judge says, this is reading from the judge. During the pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the U.S. government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. That's the judge saying that. <laughs> good for him. Uh, good for him. If the allegations made by plaintiffs are true, he said, the present case <clears throat> arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history. Well, it is true, and it is the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history, and it began during the Trump administration. The injunction also claims that the censorship alleged in this case almost exclusively targeted conservative speech. Uh, but he said uh, that issue is the case raises are beyond party lines. Viewpoint discrimination is an especially egregious form of content discrimination. The government must abstain, abstain from regulating speech when the specific motivating ideology or the perspective of the speaker is the rationale for the restriction. And uh, so that was what we were seeing even before. Yeah, you know, We had to all bow to Fauci before he was uh, given the presidency by Trump. So Brownstone Institute's headline is The Unraveling of the Censorship Hegemon. And they say, you know, when you look at the Constitution was ratified in 1789, and only nine years later you had the Sedition Act, the Alien and Sedition Acts. They said the Sedition Act, in particular, imposed nationwide censorship edicts that made it illegal to criticize the government or its officials. The public was so furious about the obvious attack on the First Amendment that Thomas Jefferson swept into the White House in the election of 1800 with a specific mandate to end it, and the offending laws were promptly repealed. The significance of the events was to demonstrate to an entire generation that eternal vigilance would be necessary if the U.S. was to remain what it set out to be. Even with a constitution, government is a constant threat to human rights. Two centuries and a quarter later, we're faced with something similar but far more wide-ranging. Social media was invented to give everyone a voice, but under the guise of pandemic management, unelected government officials 
worked daily for years with all the top social media platforms to silence dissident voices. And many of those voices are associated with Brownstone Institute, they say. And uh, yours truly as well. And so then they have a list of all the defendants that were named. <laughs> it goes on for a couple of pages. As we can see then, the effort was government-wide and covered two presidential administrations. Well, let's see, what would that other presidential administration be? He who must not be named, the Voldemort of the conservative movement, Trump, Trump. People, say the name out loud. I'm with Chris Christie on that issue. Why is everybody so afraid of him? Well, you know why. Oh, you don't like Trump? Okay, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm not going to read your stuff anymore. I'm not going to watch your videos anymore. All the rest of the stuff. And it is, and we got to resist that. We got to, we got to oppose that as vehemently as we opposed the vaccines and the masks and the lockdowns and all the rest of this stuff. I will not be dictated to by a mob any more than I'll be dictated to by some uh, politicians who no longer respect the rule of law that they swore to uphold. Speak out against this stuff. Don't be afraid of this. Uh, that that kind of tyranny of the mob is just as bad as the tyranny of the government. Unlike in 1798, says Brownstone, the silencing of dissident voices took place not because of a piece of legislation, but because of unelected people who took it upon themselves to police speech and push for the banning of accounts that offered opinions contrary to what the government wanted out there controlling the public mind. Who are these unelected people? The bureaucracy. We have regulation without representation. We even have censorship without representation. Yeah, at least uh, under John Adams, you had um, the elected representatives who were passing laws to censor you, and they got rid of that. The damage to the common good by such censorship has been incalculable, says Brownstone. The judge further notes uh, and quotes Harry Truman, who said, once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one place to go, and that's down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all of its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Well, that quote ought to be pulled out and repeated over and over again, like Eisenhower's warning about the military-industrial complex. Because this censorship and surveillance industrial complex and the censorship complex, and that is exactly as Truman described. And so the reaction to, uh, to all this by conservative media is to celebrate it and to blame Biden. The reaction from mainstream media, left media, is to push back against the judge and to push for censorship. New York Times, CNN, the rest of them. Jonathan Turley uh, quotes a CNN host. He said, we should yield to government censorship demands. He says, uh, as a longstanding free speech advocate, the last few years have been alarming and frankly depressing. Well, you better believe it. Man, I tell you, uh, I'm even more depressed than he is because <laughs> uh, and I, I'd seen this game practiced for a long time from dark winter on. I knew exactly what they were doing, and it was even bigger than the free speech issue. But he said, what is new 
is the support of the media and the Democrat Party in such censorship. And that was on display in various channels after the recent opinion, finding that the Biden administration violated the First Amendment and, quote, the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history, unquote. However, the New York Times immediately warned that the outbreak of free speech could, quote, curtail efforts to combat disinformation, unquote. Again. Who decides what is disinformation? Well, the New York Times does. The New York Times has been given that task, along with the Washington Post, BBC, and others, to determine what disinformation is, to mark anybody who is guilty of wrong thinking, and then to pass that information on to the Coalition for Content Providence and Authentication, what I call the CCPA, but they call themselves the two C2PA, because they don't want to look like the Communist Chinese, Chinese Communist Party of America, which is what they are. So once they decide that you are a source of disinformation, everything that you do, whether it is print or a still picture or audio or audio and video, all of that will be marked. This is a coalition of CPU companies, of software applications, and the rest of this. It'll be marked and it'll be blocked before it can be uploaded anywhere. Uh, these people are really serious. That's where they're headed. We're really late to this game. And, uh, but it's not too late to stop it if the vast majority of people don't want to have this. Yet no one, says Jonathan Turley, expressed more simply and chillingly than CNN chief White House correspondent Phil Mattingly, who said that it makes sense for tech companies to go along with government censorship demands. He said, quote, the Biden administration would regularly reach out to Twitter and Facebook and other companies in kind in the early stages of COVID response and say this person is spreading lies about vaccines. This account is spreading misinformation that is inhibiting not just our efforts, but the administration's efforts to address COVID, but also public health. Do something about it. Well, that explains a lot, doesn't it? Of course, we knew that. I experienced it. And often, I think, more often than not, the companies would respond and say, okay. And there are emails that came out during the course of this case that that was something that I think, when it was explained to me at the time, I thought, all right, that makes sense, says the CNN White House correspondent, a guy who was a total suck-up to authority. That's probably what we should do on public health grounds, he said. Jonathan Turley says, what's striking it's not just the blind acceptance that the government should be protecting us from harmful thoughts. It is also the failure to recognize that the government was wrong on many of these points. Many experts were banned and blacklisted. Debate and discussion was shut down, and that's even more important than experts. I don't really care about experts. I can think. You can think. You can read the Constitution. I can read the Constitution. We don't have to go with a court interpretation. It's written in English. And I can go back and see what the people who wrote it meant by it, if I have any question about it. And I can under, and that's important, uh, not that we should be uh, living under their opinions, but it's important because they understood human nature and government. 
and it would be wise to understand why they put those fences there before we remove them and fall off. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Off the cliff. We'll be right back. David Knight Show. Let's take a look at the information that was not made available to us. That has been a matter of life and death. You want to talk about the public health? What about individuals who died? Individuals who were killed by these things that were rushed to market. Individuals that were killed because of political ambitions of politicians and the greed and avarice of pharmaceutical companies. Let's take a look at what happened with that stuff. We now have even the New York Post. This is a Murdoch publication, like Fox News, completely beholden to the pharmaceutical industry. And you can see this in here, but they cannot escape. You can see it in the article, continually kowtowing and trying to, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. But they can no longer escape the long-term effects of these vaccines that are piling up on people. The truth is going to come out. You can't hide this forever. We need to shout it from the rooftops. And I don't care if they try to, what they do to us. We've got to continue to shout this. 
You can get the truth out. The truth came out even in the Soviet Union. People didn't believe Pravda and Izvestia. Pravda, truth, Izvestia, news. There's no truth in Pravda. There's no news in Izvestia. And we need to just be, we need to be as cynical and as critical and as independent of the mainstream media, both liberal, yeah, but Democrat and Republicans put it that way, as the people in the Soviet Union were of Pravda and Izvestia. So this headline from New York Post, what is long vax? Symptoms leaked to COVID-19 shot. Baffle doctors. Oh, really? Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Roy, for sending this here. It's a key article here. You've heard of long COVID. The cases of people who can't shake the lingering, lingering symptoms of COVID-19. I've heard it called that. And I've said from the very beginning, long COVID is vaccines. And now they're saying, well, now there may be something called long vax. <laughs> a rare but baffling set of symptoms. What is baffling is the fact that these people can pretend this didn't exist for three years. No, well, two and a half. This is pretty obvious in January of 2021. Immediately. I mean, they started giving a few people, you know, very few people started getting shots in December. As soon as they did this in January, even before Trump left office, you could see it already in the various database an explosion. And it just kept building. You see one or two patients, said one doctor, you wonder if it's a coincidence. But by the time you've seen 10 or 20 patients, she said, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, this is one doctor. She's seen 10 or 20 patients. Why is that rare? Fox, New York Post, why is that rare? We've had, as I pointed out, <clears throat> with one of these swine flu vaccines, uh, they had uh, three people who died from it, and they banned it in nine states. This one doctor has seen 10, 20 patients more, she said. And then they immediately say, but the cases are very rare. Yeah, right. Symptoms of long vax can mimic those of long COVID. Yeah, they just keep going back and saying, well, is it COVID? Is it long COVID or is it the vaccine? They can't avoid talking about this, but they try to misdirect you into thinking that maybe it's something else, not the vaccine, because, you know, their sponsors are the pharmaceutical companies. They're greedy bastards who will kill you with lies is what this is about. They'll cover up for these people in any way possible. But the truth will out. Patients are telling their doctors about tingling, about electric shock-like sensations burning pain and blood circulation issues that appear weeks, days, or even hours after receiving the shot. You see, they can no longer ignore it. They have to try to spin it into something else. Um, <clears throat> and uh, even as they have a graphic, pull that graphic up and show it. Suspected symptoms of long vax. And they talk about some of these things. And then in the center, they say, but... Getting vaccinated reduces your risk of long COVID by 35%, does it? Or does it give it to you? Uh, well, many doctors are hesitant to openly discuss the possibility of a long vax syndrome, fearing it'll be seized upon by anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists. It's not a theory, it's a fact. 
It was a fact in the government's own database. Two and a half years ago, Murdoch, that guy, I mean, it, yeah, again, you know, you want to make billions of dollars? Well, you might have to kill a few people to do it, but that's okay to these people. They'll try to discredit a vaccine that has saved countless millions of lives, they said. Well, um, yeah, you put yourself, your career, you put your money, your audience, uh, your medical career, you put that ahead of your patients, don't you? Doctors may want to take seriously the concept of a vaccine side effect said uh, one person at the um, Food and Drug Administration, the director, Dr. Peter Marks. You might want to take that concept of a vaccine side effect seriously. Do you take it seriously? you got a database there in your organization that you run. You don't take vaccine side effects seriously? Yeah, we noticed that, FDA. We noticed that you're not concerned about safety or side effects at all. And you don't take it seriously. Marx and others, however, worry about the sensational headline that might mislead the public since the benefits of the vaccine far outweigh the risk. What benefit? You've admitted yourself it doesn't stop people from getting uh, what you're supposedly vaccinating them for. It's proven not to prevent it. It is proven to increase what you're trying to prevent. It has negative efficacy. If it's got negative efficacy, then the benefits don't outweigh the risk because there are no benefits. It's got negative benefits. It's a harmful thing. And this is what we see all the time from the FDA with their therapeutics. If you look at what they put out there and just listen to these Ask Your Doctor commercials, if you hear them, you know, they talk about something and this is a, a drug or, you know, therapeutic that you take for condition X. And if you listen to the different things that it says that, you know, they rattle off for the legal disclaimer very quickly, usually these drugs will, well, one of the side effects is to exacerbate the condition that you're taking it for. And uh, that would be the most charitable explanation of these COVID vaccines. So, um, again, maybe we ought to take a look. Maybe the FDA ought to be looking at first do no harm, you think? Uh, so there has now been a, uh, study, yet another study. Uh, these guys are calling this one, listen, and the acronym with it, listen to immune system and treatment experiences now. Well, that'd be an idea. Uh, one per the guy who started this at, at Yale says, it's my obligation. If I am truly a scientist to have an open mind and to learn if there's something that can be done. He's a cardiologist as well. I'm persuaded that there is something going on with these side effects. Well, this guy's sharp. After two and a half years of people dropping dead, and I'm persuaded that there may be something that's happening here. Let's uh, put together a study. The CDC acknowledges that any vaccine can cause effects. Well, yeah, that's why you've got the, the VAERS database, the VAERS Adverse Events Reporting System. But again, they don't care. Anything that happens, they say, is rare. You know, uh, what, what I would like to know, I would like to get some, have somebody get these um, supposedly government watchdog agencies, get them on record and say, okay, uh, at what level is it no longer rare? Uh, you know, 
three people die from this, you're not going to stop it. I mean, they do that for baby cribs. Uh, they do that for airplanes. Right? You have two crashes out of 8,200 uh, flights. Well, they, they shut it down. It seems to me that's pretty rare from a calculator. Why don't we just keep flying those planes? Why don't we keep putting those baby cribs out there? The government has zero tolerance, zero tolerance of any safety risk. They always err too far on the side of safety, I think. But in this particular case, they don't care about safety at all. Nobody cares. They have uh, theirs, but no one cares. That's the uh, way you ought to remember that. Uh, FDA is blasted for misleading mRNA COVID vaccine labels as sudden death research mounts. This was uh, what I played uh, Kim Witzak um, uh, talking to Senator Ron Johnson yesterday. Even the FDA-funded research acknowledges a, quote, safety signal for serious heart inflammation in 12 to 17-year-olds, but the agency ignores the federal law by demanding proven causality, say medical researchers. You understand the difference here? So what they're saying is, and this is coming from justthenews.com, they say, well, you know, okay, there's some stuff here, and people are dying, uh, but you got to prove that this is causing it. So my vaccines are innocent until proven guilty. Well, they don't like to uh, extend that to us, do they? None of the bureaucratic agencies extends uh, the uh, innocent until proven guilty. That's not their standard when they're dealing with human beings. You know, you violate some FAA rule, you create disorder on a plane, well, they arrest you, they hit you with tens of thousands of dollars in fines. That We saw that, people that didn't want to wear a mask and argued with a flight attendant. Well, you were guilty. You didn't get due process. You didn't have a presumption of innocence. All the rest of the stuff, you didn't have any protection against excessive fines. But when it comes to the vaccines, oh, no, they're considered to be safe until you prove them otherwise. They've turned it upside down and inside out. You are supposed to, as a regulatory agency, uh, do just the opposite of that for safety. Uh, these things must be proven safe, not proven risky. They've turned that upside down. Autopsies and medical records reveal a much higher incidence of Pfizer and Moderna vaccine-associated heart deaths than officially categorized. These are studies coming from South Korea, Japan, and Qatar. And they join other studies that have been done in Germany. But it doesn't matter. These are studies that could be massive studies, could be done by other governments, but the FDA is going to toe the line and protect big pharma. And Trump will continue to brag about what he's created. An FDA-funded study in the Journal of American Medical Association Pediatrics, as JAMA Pediatrics, on May 22nd, found a, quote, safety signal for myocarditis and pericarditis following vaccinations in 12 to 17-year-olds. It was based on near real-time monitoring using commercial claims databases for more than 3 million children, ages 5 to 17, who took Pfizer's vaccine. Three weeks earlier, the Nature Journal, NPJ Vaccines, published a Taiwanese study. Here's yet another country. They found a much higher risk of all forms of retinal vascular occlusion. In other words, visual impairment. If you don't stop it, you're going to go blind. Among vaccinated populations, 12 weeks and even two years later, they said there was no disparity between brand or dose among these mRNA vaccines. The South Korean study. This has been published in the European Society of Cardiology's journal, 
found 61% more vaccine-related myocarditis deaths following autopsies than recorded in the country's vaccine injury registry. And they were all under the age of 45. So they've got a registry where they record the vaccines, but if you actually go out and do the autopsies, oh, well, you find that it was significantly underreported. I wonder if they've got as much pressure to not talk about this as is put on medical staff in the United States. It drew attention from prominent medical researchers who unsuccessfully petitioned the FDA to require vaccine makers to add myriad notices to the labels. These are the black box labels that Kim Witzak was talking about, you know, for SSRIs. It took her, even after her husband committed suicide because of the drug, it took a very long time for them to get that put on. Uh, they still will not allow that to be put on for the asthma drug that is driving children to suicide. Just amazing. Yeah. Uh, they won't even warn you about this. They hate informed consent. They hate the doctor-patient relationship. They despise the principle of first do no harm. These researchers castigated the FDA in an op-ed piece on the Hill last month. They call the mRNA vaccine labels, quote, obsolete, misleading, and out of touch with regulators in Japan and Europe, where heavy menstrual bleeding is listed as a potential adverse reaction. In South Korea, the study that was published after the petition was rejected by the FDA, adds to the, quote, multiple autopsy studies on lethal vaccination-associated myocarditis. They highlighted uh, to argue for adding sudden death to the labels as well. Whatever one thought of the initial shots, wrote a University of Maryland pharmacy faculty member uh, and another person who is a senior editor of the British Medical Journal, whatever one thought of the initial shots, people are now getting boosted indefinitely with little reliable information about scientific developments. And again, Ken Witzak is on the uh, Consumer Advisory Committee for the FDAs. When I talked to her and interviewed her, uh, she said, and go back and see it. And it's important that you understand just how criminal the FDA is if you haven't seen that. She said, uh, typically, she's the only one who votes against this stuff. And as she said in her testimony that I played for you yesterday, uh, testimony to Senator Ron Johnson, she said, all of these drugs have been fast-tracked. It's not just the, you know, the, the warp speed was super fast. But they've all been fast-tracked. They all rushed this stuff out with any, without any real testing. By requiring proven causality to add mandatory warnings of mRNA vaccines, the agency is ignoring federal law that only requires some basis uh, to believe that there is a causal relationship. You see, they've turned it upside down. And again, it ought to be first, do no harm. Safety first. It's amazing that they don't care at all about the safety. And yet when you have drugs like ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, People said, well, I think they're very effective for this. Well, you can't have that. Can't have it. They already had the safety profile there. Uh, just let people do it. You have an immediate big study. Um, <laughs> let me comment here on Rumble. LT1776. Thank you for the tip. Hi, David. Will the day ever come when you decide to shave your beard off? No. <laughs> I did it once. So I'm not doing it again. Um, <laughs> it's frightening, actually. No. <laughs> To see it. Then there was a Qatari study published in Nature Communications that reviewed all 138 recorded deaths within 38, 30 days of the vaccination in that country over a period from January the 1st, 2021 
to June the 12th, last year, 2022, uh, they found uh, 6% of them, eight deaths, were deemed high probability of association with vaccination because people died within five days of the jab. They're looking at this as a temporal correlation, time correlation. Another 15 deaths were deemed intermediate probability. 11 were also sudden cardiac death and 10 under the age age 50, six to 15 days after vaccination. All were heart-related. Sudden cardiac death or heart attack. Since the time of death from the time of last vaccination is an arbitrary measure of association, the researchers also used a second time cutoff, and they found twice as many vaccine-associated deaths. And so under this measurement, they found that more than a third of the deaths were likely vaccine-related within the first 30 days. But of course, we also have this long-term effect that is building up. And that was the thing from the very beginning that I was so alarmed at. Not only the quantity of people, but how quickly this was happening. Within a few days or a few hours of the vaccine, that was absolutely unprecedented as well. It's been very difficult. I've mentioned this before. One of the best correlations that we had <clears throat> was another uh, collaboration with Fauci and Monsef Slawi, and in that vaccine campaign that they rushed out, you had um, the effects showed up about a year later. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That was unprecedented in the short time period. And yet these are people who are dying and dying within hours, not to mention the injuries and so forth. Uh, so previous research from Cutter found bivalent booster efficacy went negative as soon as two months after inoculation for five to 11 year olds, people who had no risk whatsoever. Uh, in other words, by going negative, it means that it actually has, you actually, um, are more likely to get whatever they're vaccinating you for the Japanese study at an even more narrow range for determining vaccine-associated deaths. Within seven days of the jab, uh, they found a mean of 63% uh, of men and 70% of whom received the fully licensed Pfizer uh, and the Moderna, 11% uh, being associated with that. They said myocarditis killed the youngest recipients, ages 24 and 39, and cerebral hemorrhage, killed a 52-year-old uh, whose only known condition was stomach pain. Another 39-year-old Spike Vax, that's the Moderna thing, recipient, died of unknown causes, but slight lymphocyte and macrophage infiltration 
in the interstitial space of myocardium was observed, and all were men, all were men. So the FDA's response has been to just ignore this. They're unrepentant. They're blatantly lying. Listen to this. This is their response. In 2023, the FDA says safety and efficacy of the mRNA COVID vaccines are fully supported by available scientific data and getting every recommended booster is the best way to reduce the risk of death and serious illness or hospitalization from COVID. They haven't changed one iota. They're not budging one bit. You know, when DeSantis said, I've got four agencies I want to get rid of, and he mentioned the IRS, the usual three that everybody has, commerce and energy and things like that. But he didn't mention the FDA. Why? I don't understand. Uh, The uh, Trump death shot, over 1,800 athletes suffer vascular disease. 1,310 of them are dead in less than two and a half years since the COVID vaccination. Uh, This is from Good Sciencing. You'll also find it at Wine Press News, a a, a summary of this. They compiled a lengthy list of known athletes. And it's difficult because the sports clubs are hiding this. All the institutions want to be friendly with the pharmaceutical companies. And so all these sporting clubs are trying to hide this stuff. But they did it anyway, and they were still able, even though the information is being hidden, Uh, And they said a lot of these players are being told that this is just a mystery illness. We don't know. Just go home, rest, and suffer and die in silence. But again, 1,884 athletes contracted some sort of vascular-related ailment. Not seen that before. 1,310 of them died. You know, things like cardiac arrest, blood clots, stroke, that type of thing. Uh, aneurysms like we just saw with the big um, bodybuilder who had 8 million followers out of Germany, who had been vaccinated four times, who had had a D-dimer test and they tried to filter his blood, but to no avail. Another one, uh, it's important that we see the volume of data that is here, the overwhelming volume of data. Look, I opposed everything about this. Everything about it was wrong. It was wrong from a spiritual basis. It was wrong from a medical basis. It was wrong from a political basis. Everything about this was evil. That's why it just grates on me to see Trump still bragging about this. Just amazing. In the Lancet study, uh, they found that looking at autopsies rather than the self-reported things, they found 74% of the deaths were caused by the vaccine. And then the Lancet out of the UK removed that study within 24 hours. It is the censorship, the propaganda, the unrelenting, unrepentant government bureaucracies that are pushing this. And I won't go into the details of this, but uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was part of that. So was Dr. Harvey Reich. He said, um, this is pure government-directed censorship. And this is happening even after the Missouri versus Biden injunction that we just talked about, right? Uh, you are censoring information. And, um, you know, you're using social media to do this type of thing. Well, they're also using these trade organizations, licensing organizations. An Israeli nursing home study shows evidence of vaccine deaths. And this is a, a very long article that you'll find on um, 
Daily Skeptic, but uh, I'm not going to go into the detail of that either. There's also a fertility crisis in countries that have gotten um, the mRNA drugs. And it's very interesting to see that, uh, especially in a lot of Asian nations, and this is an article by Alex Berenson. He says, why will no one investigate the plunge in births since 2021? Most notably, several nations that had stable birth levels before the mRNAs were introduced in 2021 have seen sharp drops since. Sweden had about 115,000 births annually uh, from 2012 to 2021, but last year births plunged to 105,000. In 2023, they're tracking below 100,000. Germany has a similar trend. Meanwhile, Eastern European nations like Bulgaria that had very low vaccination rates have in some cases seen increases in births in the last year. Several studies show that sperm declines in men who have received the Trump shots. The mRNA countries suffering the biggest fertility crisis are not in Europe, however. East Asian nations with near universal mRNA jab uptake have shriveling birth rates. Since early 2022, they have seen birth rates fall to levels previously considered to be unthinkable. The most profound drop in birth rates is in South Korea, a country of 51 million that had barely 600 births a day in April. The South Korean birth rate is now barely one-third the level needed to maintain the population base, to have the number of people be stable. Taiwan and Japan are barely in better shape. Japan had almost twice as many deaths as births last year. They're just going to disappear, you see. Uh, God is wiping entire nations off the face of the earth. And you don't even have to have war. But war is coming. And so are the lockdowns again. Britain has, quote, practiced the drill for lockdown and is ready for future pandemics, says the chief of the nudge unit. Understand that it was conservatives in the UK and Boris Johnson who did this. It was the GOP and Trump in the United States who did this. The lockdowns we're talking about. Wearing face masks, lockdowns, social distancing. Britain has been drilled to comply with lockdowns under a future pandemic, though wearing face masks and working from through through wearing face masks and working from home, said the chief executive of the government nudge unit. Remember that? It was uh, Cass Sunstein and others who were talking about nudging people, deliberately talking about how can the government better control people through behavioral psychology, through manipulation. And, of course, the censorship is a big part of that. Uh, for anybody to think that the government is not engaged in Orwellian censorship when they create nudge units to manipulate public minds. Telegraph says uh, Professor David Halpern told them that the country had, quote, practiced the drill of wearing face masks and working from home and could redo it in a future crisis. Yeah, the drill. They've been drilling on. They've been drilling on this since dark winter, two months before 9/11, and then you know the false flag a week later, anthrax, and then they put out the Model State Health Emergency Powers Act, and then they got all of us to participate in the drill. And this guy is saying, "Well, now you now that you've done this, 
it's going to be very easy for us to get you to do this again. He's bragging about this. Last Tuesday, Matt Hancock told a public inquiry that Britain must be ready to combat future disease outbreaks. The guy who completely ignored it laughed and made jokes about the people who were following his orders. Oh, he'd be ready to do it again. And he says, we're going to have more stringent lockdowns next time. Next time, maybe he, even he will pay attention to them, right? And Boris Johnson and their partiers. Speaking on a podcast, the government advisor, Professor Halpern, predicted that the country would comply with another stay-at-home order because, quote, they kind of know what the drill is. He said that while fear-based messaging in general is not effective, he defended its use. <laughs> he says there are times when you do need to cut through, particularly if you think people are wrongly calibrated. Calibrated. Yeah, we've been recalibrated. When the pandemic hit, Matt Hancock's department enlisted the professor's behavioral insights team. Oh, they got an acronym for it. BIT. B-I-T. Yeah, put the bit in your mouth, and they can turn your head in every direction and get you to go that way. Also known as the nudge unit. So Matt Hancock hired this behavioral psychologist. That's what I've said all along, haven't I? I said, the only science involved in this is behavioral psychology. The only science. To provide them with frictionless access, they said, to behavioral expertise. And they gave him a one million pound contract. They used earworm slogans such as hands, face, space to maximize compliance with their rules. In his most wide ranging interview since March of 2020, Professor Halpern explained that his unit's campaigns were devised to help reinforce new behaviors. He said that this messaging encouraged mask wearing, meaning that people felt naked when they forgot to put one on. He said, uh, just put it this way. You would feel like, oh, I haven't gotten my mask. So you feel naked, right? It's been a long time since I talked about and bragged about the fact that I was defiantly engaging in public full facial nudity. <laughs> and that was before you had the uh, pride parades that were <laughs> engaging in full frontal nudity. And I was engaging in full facial nudity in public. And they didn't like that. Like they like the pride parades. They like it when you, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, old men uh, walk around completely naked in front of everybody. I, they hated it when I took off my mask. Why? You would have. Talk about society being upside down, backwards and inside out. Uh, major disasters, he said, quote, leave this enduring trace on society. Oh, they've marked us. They psychologically scarred us. In so many ways, those who participated with it, it's not too late. <clears throat> it's not too late. If you understand it's a lie, you don't have to live by it. That's a very empowering thing. If you understand that you were tricked, you know, that's the key thing. I've noticed that once somebody realizes they've been tricked, I think Steve Kirsch is a good example of this. You know, he went along with all this stuff. He was uh, going to help them with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he came up with something. Let's try this. No, we're not going to try that. We got one thing we're going to try. We're going to lock everybody down. Well, why wouldn't you try this? And he started asking some questions, but, you know, not before he got vaccinated. And then as he started asking questions, found out what was going on with this boy. He is now angry. You know, he's now looking at vaccine, autism connections, and all the rest of the stuff. Once somebody finds out that they've been lied to and taken advantage of, Oh, that person is, as a matter of fact, you know, coming up, our guest is going to be coming up in an hour. 
is a, a Navy SEAL who began life just like Artur Pulaski did in Poland, communist Poland. He grew up there. Uh, and, um, you know, he grew up under communism. He hated it. He got out. He um, got to America. He became a Navy SEAL. He's kind of a Navy SEAL version of Artur Pulaski. <laughs> and he's written a book about it. And, um, you know, when, when somebody has lived under that system, uh, they can't stand it. They can smell it a mile away. And we saw that with Artur Pulaski. <laughs> get out, Nazis, get out now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, it'll be an interesting interview, I think. So faced with another contagious disease or maybe a contagious narrative, the professor predicted that the British public would start wearing masks again relatively rapidly. Yeah, we got you. We got you. You're ours now. He said they might protest. They might say, do we really have to do it? But once you've exercised those muscles, they're more likely to be used again. Once you lived on your knees, you're going to drop to them very quickly again, right? Now, that's what he's counting on. And we've got to count on people. If we can show them where they have been used, we've got to stop it. One last article here before we take a break. The UN is coming up with a pact for the future to have permanent emergency powers. And let me just say, and we should be all be concerned about the fact that the UN wants to have permanent emergency powers and they want to have more authority and so forth. But we should also be concerned about the fact that there hasn't been a repudiation of the emergency powers that were exercised by Trump and then by Biden. Those have to be repudiated. We have to say, never again will you ever do anything like that. If we allow those to stay in place, even if we stop what the UN and the World Health Organization want to do, we're still toast. We cannot live on our knees before a sovereign bureaucracy that is unaccountable and unelected, that puts out rules and then does away with the Constitution and due process because they say, well, our rules are not laws. You don't have any due process if it's, you know, if it's a rule. If it was something that was passed by your elected representatives, you got due process. But if it's something that I do without any input from you, you have nothing to say about that and no constitutional protections. So the Federalist reports that uh, the plan is going to be finalized in September of 2024. Summit of the future, where the UN will adopt a pact for the future. And uh, part of what they call our common agenda our communist agenda. Yeah, uh, World Economic Forum came up with common pass and so forth. Uh, whenever you see something, a couple of words that are flags to me. Common, you know, common core, common pass, uh, all these different things. And uh, you, you look at smart, that's another one. Um, anyway, provide the UN the authority to actively promote and provide and to drive, to drive, an international response that places the principles of equity and solidarity at the center of its work. If you're going to put solidarity in equity, is it going to be the center? Equity is what you're going for? You're talking about Marxism here. Common equity and all the rest of this stuff. Centralized control. You're talking pure Marxism. The United Nations would be given unprecedented authority over the public and private sectors of huge swaths of the world, all in the name of battling a yet unknown crisis or even a non-crisis 
as one person said. The U.N. Secretary General, communist, uh, said, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the U.N. system with standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex global shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. And what the people who are commenting on this are missing is that it doesn't have to be a virus or claims of a pandemic. I mean, these people keep talking about how, you know, we've got an existential threat from the climate change, you know, the climate clock. One, hey, we've got to have it by 2030. On a climate clock at a summit in London this afternoon. Yeah. There's 150 similar clocks across the major cities of the UK. And so they've got a crisis already. This is a crisis that has been 50 years in the making, 53 years in the making, and um, filled with all kinds of lies, but that doesn't stop them. It goes on to suggest the UN would have the power to oversee stakeholders of the world. Say, our global governance is going to be by stakeholders. Who are the stakeholders? It's not just governments. It's universities, corporations, banks. That's what we're talking about. The people who own you or who think they own you. And they will own you if you bow before them. As the Federalist reports, the Biden administration has backed the proposal on multiple occasions prompting reporter Justin Haskins to warn that, quote, if the emergency platform is approved, the United States, as we know it, would cease to exist. Let me say again, if Trump's ability and Biden's ability to rule by executive order and do whatever they wish for as long as they want by declaring an emergency, if that is allowed to continue, the United States is over. The United States and the Constitution is completely abrogated, the very last shreds of it, as Trump put this into place. And nobody in either party is running on a platform to bring that back. Uh, before we take a break, real quickly, let me uh, thank uh, some of the people who left tips and comments. Rumble, geese busters, geese busters. Thank you very much for the tip. I appreciate that. So, David, last year in California... My 29-year-old niece was hospitalized. She was talked into getting the vax. A few days later, she went into a coma. Oh, so sorry. Yesterday, we buried her. I get disgusted every time I see Trump. He is a murderer. I, he didn't say that. I say that. I say that. I am so sorry. Your 29-year-old niece. Um, and I've known people who have been killed with a ventilator. I've known people who have been killed with remdesivir, the medical stuff. And, uh, and unfortunately, I know people who've gotten the vaccine. And I hope that they got one of the low doses. Uh, and I hope they don't get any boosters. Uh, Rumble, A1 Bengal fan. Uh, Trump supporters think standing up to tyranny is flying a Trump flag and chanting, let's go, Brent. That's right. That's right. That's what is so sad about this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But um, I am so sorry to hear about your niece. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Making sense common again. You're listening to The David Knight Show. Yeah, it makes me so angry to see that clip from that guy. Yeah, well, you know, thing I, let me just tell you how much I love Trump. You know, he could shoot somebody down on White House steps. This guy doesn't understand how many people he's actually killed. And he doesn't care either. He doesn't care. Wouldn't care. If you told him, how many people Trump has shot and killed? He wouldn't care. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about what is going on with the nearly universal establishment anger at DeSantis for putting out a commercial at the tail end of Pride Month talking about how Trump has always been pushing that agenda. And it's true. I was talking about it long before Ron DeSantis was. I didn't think it was a particularly good uh, a commercial. I thought it was too frantic and frantic. And you know, frankly, uh, I tell the uh, DeSantis uh, camp, "You want to do a commercial? I can do a much better commercial for that, and I'll charge you a fraction of what these people charge because they've got a lot of money. It's amazing how much money he's raised. You know, Trump got thirty-five million dollars because he was uh, charged uh, criminal charges that were put against him. Uh, DeSantis got twenty million dollars, and DeSantis." also had added in this uh, second quarter, uh, he added $130 million into a political action committee. Uh, Trump has not talked about how much money his uh, political action committee has gotten, so we don't know about that yet. But still, uh, just phenomenal amounts of money. That, that's not a good thing, except from the standpoint that, you know, the war chests of them going against each other. I don't like to see that much money in politics, frankly. But uh, when they got that kind of money, they could do a better commercial than they did. But it hit 
on really raw nerves. Conservatives are angry with him. The conservative press is angry with him. I don't think conservatives are. I think what they're all missing, and, and CNN, MSNBC, oh, they are livid with DeSantis for opposing LGBT stuff. Uh, what they're missing in all of this is the reason that he is so popular. Why is Ron DeSantis, why was he so popular? Why did he do so well and Republicans do so well in general? And... Um, uh, the last election, 2022, it's just two things. You know, he stood up for kids and families against the LGBT grooming and agenda and Disney and all the rest. That's all part of it. That's one big part of it. And then it was for their stance against the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and things like just those two things. And they hate him for that. And so think about that. You know, when you look at this and these people say, well, it's a badge of honor for Trump to be indicted. Is it? He violated national security. I thought conservatives cared about that. Though they cared about military secrets and stuff like that. I think it's overclassified, and I understand that, you know, the system is not um, uh, equal. Send them all to jail. Anybody, look, equal protection of the law and equal prosecution under the law. Somebody commits a crime, you send them to jail. You impeach them. If it's a Biden sitting as a president, you impeach him and then send him to jail. And um, uh, you, you don't give them a pass. Like I said, we don't want to be ruled by dictators. They should not get a pass for committing crimes because they're president or because they're in our political party. And uh, so, uh, you know, when you when you look at this, they're coming after Trump, though. Uh, for what? Well, they see him as a rival and everything. Are there any principles that Trump stands for that they truly hate? No. And these people, know. this is about identity politics. This is about his ego versus their ego, his ambition versus their ambition, his presidency versus their presidency. They're coming after Ron DeSantis, however, over an issue, over an issue that you need to decide where you are on this issue. Trump uh, is, was a pioneer for gender ideology, said DeSantis. When he went on an interview, he doubled down on this, defending it. He said, I think identifying Trump as really being a pioneer and in injecting gender ideology in the mainstream where he was having men compete against women in his beauty pageants, I think that's totally fair game because he's now campaigning and saying the opposite. I'm going to show people what he was doing. That's what I've done. He says that he doesn't think that you should have men competing in women's things like athletics. That's now what he's saying when he said just the opposite. Um, and so we've been very clear on it that we believe in protecting the rights of our girls and the rights of women and athletes, women athletes to be able to participate with fairness and with integrity. And ultimately, when you talk about some of the gender ideology that's being unleashed in this country, in the state of Florida, we're fighting back against that clearly in the schools. He said, I think it's an attack on women's rights more broadly to say that gender is fluid. And I also think it's an attack on the truth itself. Now he's starting to get somewhere. It's very easy for people to say, okay, well, so how, do I, how do I sell this? You know, I, I remember uh, when we were in North Carolina, we talked to a guy who had a reputation for being independent at a time when the North Carolina legislature was controlled by this boss hog, Java the Hutt type of guy. His name was Liston Ramsey, and he'd been there forever. And uh, one of the guys, 
it was uh, eventually became our gubernatorial candidate because we couldn't find, you know, we kind of drew straws. Who's going to run for governor? I don't want to run for governor. I know neither do I. All right, well, draw straws. He had to run. He did a great job. Uh, but he had been a page at one point in time, and he said, I'd watch these people line up and literally bow down to Liston Ramsey. He'd be sitting there. It's a big, you know, guy like uh, Java the Hutt. And then line up, oh, Godfather, hey, you know, that type of thing, basically. And uh, so this one guy was uh, uh, leading the opposition to him and pushed him out. And even though he was a Democrat, he worked with Republicans to get this guy pushed out. And he got himself in place. And so he was kind of an independent thinker. We went by, talked to him, see where he was on issues. And, you know, we said, well, you know, we're against uh, drug prohibition. We think it's counterproductive. And uh, some other things like that and told him some of the other things. And, and he was okay with uh, most of the stuff. When we got to the drug stuff, he goes, hmm, well, I, I guess I could sell that if we did it with humor. Yeah, but you're going to have to come up with some money. You know, uh, I expect to get this amount of money. And <laughs> it, was, it was not going to happen. We didn't have any money. It was kind of kind of like Giuliani uh, telling uh, John Kiriakou, you got to give me $2 million to get your pardon. It's like, well, I don't have $2 million, but I wouldn't give it to you anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, he goes on to say, not only, you know, when we talk about this, it's important for us to understand that we're talking about what is true. And this isn't simply about saying, well, we want to have fair competition with girls and women's sports. It's very easy for them. You know, how are we going to sell this? It's just like the guy I was talking about. Well, let's think about how we could sell that idea without really, you know, directly attacking it for what it is. Let's think about how we could kind of tactfully uh, push that idea. That's what these people come up with. They found a way that they can tactfully push back against the LGBT stuff that everybody hates without really hitting on the central issue. They can say, and even Bruce Jinder can go on with Sean Hannity. Oh, Sean, I just think that we ought to, uh, you know, have it fair in terms of competition. You know, as he's wearing a dress and pretending to be a woman, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, there's something fundamentally wrong about this that you don't want to address. Anyway, he says, um, and so we have to get the truth of the matter. And he does actually get there eventually. He says, not only does it violate the opportunities for the women's swimmers, but we also know that that's a lie. That's not true. Yeah, we've got to not live by lies. We've got to say that two plus two equals four, not five. But then you had the... You know, people uh, at MSNBC especially, very upset. They had one person after the other coming after DeSantis for talking about Trump. And, and they are now warming up to Trump. They like Trump. Are you paying attention to this, all you people who say, I want to vote for Trump. I want to vote for the guy that they hate the most. You know why they hate Trump? Uh, why they hate DeSantis is because of the LGBT stuff. You know why they love uh, Trump? Or the one area that they love about Trump, and that is the LGBT stuff. They're saying, well, you know, this DeSantis guy, he's much worse than Trump. MSNBC now political analyst Claire McCaskill, uh, who lost to uh, Josh Hawley. She was a Democrat senator from Missouri. And uh, so now she, as a loser, is giving political advice to DeSantis. And she says uh, he's unelectable. The DeSantis can't, just like she was in 2018. 
The DeSantis campaign rapid response director tried to downplay this criticism by saying that opposing Pride Month isn't homophobic because, and I quote, we wouldn't support a month to celebrate straight people for sexual orientation either. It's unnecessary. It's divisive pandering, which is what we've heard from racists when you want to talk about celebrating Black History Month. Well, I guess she's calling Morgan Friedman, uh, Freeman a racist, right? Because he said that. He said that. He said, well, I don't want to have Black History Month. You're propagating racism. It's a cop-out and all the rest of this stuff. So she thinks that Morgan Freeman is racist with that. And I disagree with DeSantis's spokesperson. I think we should celebrate straight people. I think we should celebrate that. We do have celebrations of Mother's Day. We have celebrations of Father's Day. And these people want to purge that. They don't want mothers or fathers. They don't even want you to be able to use those words, parent one and parent two. Oh, Mother's Day and Father's Day, that's sexist. We don't need to run from these people. We don't need to be dictated to by them. And this is not a losing issue. This is the issue as to why he is able to run for president. So um, she goes on to say, this is such bad judgment. The only thing that he's trying to win is a one-on-one -on -one race against Trump, which represents a small slice of the electric. He's digging himself a hole that is so deep for the rest of America that he will end up being unelectable. I don't think so. Democrats hate family. They hate straight people. And, you know, they're not going to vote for any Republican anyway. They're so partisan. But that's not what the election is about. The election is about, you know, winning the Republican nomination and getting independence. And independents are not crazy like the Democrats yet. Uh, they don't hate straight people yet like the Democrats do. She goes on to say he's unelectable because most Americans love someone who is LGBT. Well, do you love children? Do you love children who are being sexualized, mutilated, sterilized? Do you love children? Well, no, Democrats don't. They want to chop them up from before birth. And then if they are born, now they become a sex object, a sex toy for them, uh, something to be used to uh, validate themselves and uh, use for their sexual fantasies. She said, most of America loves someone who's gay or trans or lesbian. Most of America has a loved one. They do not want these people marginalized and hated and put in ugly ads like this. Well. You know, just understand that uh, you, it's an act of love to tell people that God has something better for you. It's an act of God, or an act of love to warn people about the wrath of God against things that he expressly prohibits and has shown his extreme displeasure with. That's an act of love. It's not an act of love to just walk away from this. As I've said before, you know, um, Penn and Teller, uh, Penn really, they, they both of them hate God with a passion. And uh, Karen and I walked out of one of his performances because, you know, we, we thought they were pretty funny when we seen him, but in performance, they just, oh, and let me, uh, you know, I, I really hate the fact he said that everybody uses the F word about everything. And it's like, yeah, I understand. He says, they use it as an adjective, an adverb, a noun, and all this. Don't you have a vocabulary? What's the matter with you? You just sound stupid. He goes, now I don't talk like that. But he says, I take every opportunity to blaspheme and starts going on that 
tracks. So we just got up and left. It made everybody get out of our way so he could get up and, and get out of there. But you know, when Ray Comfort saw him, he stood by the side and he said, um, let me talk to you. I'm really genuinely concerned about him. And that's what uh, Penn said. He said, well, most Christians just, you know, jeer at me or they walk away like Karen and I did. He said, they don't stick around and, and uh, have a genuine concern for that. That's an act of love. Well, why would you deny what you believe unless you don't believe that? If you truly believe that, it's an act of love to warn people about that. It's an act of love to tell them that um, not only is there <clears throat> a better way to live, but there's also a big train that is headed right your way, and you might want to get out of the way of that. Uh, so it's also the lie that it is intolerant to talk about this. You know, and, and these are people who are living, not only living by lie, but they have essentially used Saul Alinsky's tactic of using our values against us. They realize, as uh, I've got an article here talking about that, um, they say, uh, well, you know, Christians and, you know, in general, they have values of mercy and compassion and tolerance and things like that. So let's use those values against them. And then once we get in charge, we'll be the opposite of that anyway. And that's really what we have seen. Van Jones jumps out, you know, CNN. Uh, DeSantis is worse than Trump. You see, think about this, all you people who celebrate Trump. Oh, they really hate Trump. No, they hate DeSantis even more. Hate DeSantis even more. He said uh, DeSantis, wrapping up the Pride Month campaign video, said he was worse than former President Trump. He said this guy is worse than Trump. He is, DeSantis is worse than Trump. Trump was at least trying to open the party up. And that was the one good thing that he tried to do, pander to the LGBT. DeSantis wants to punish a president for opening his heart after gays and lesbians were gunned down at a nightclub. No, that's not it at all. He was doing this stuff a long, long time before that. Oh, that's their, oh, well, you know, he was saying when he, he was talking about, uh, talking to the gays, it was simply, you know, Offering them an olive branch after that mass shooting. No, no, no. He's always been there. That's why I played those clips. He said, um, he says, you don't punish a U.S. president for that if you're a patriot, if you're a human being, if you're a Christian, if you're a decent carbon-based being. You don't do that. But Ron DeSantis is doing that. No, his, uh, he's just telling people what Trump is really about. Trump has always been about pushing LGBT. It's always been about injecting that into our culture, injecting that spiritual toxin, just like he injected toxins into our bodies. He injected, helped to inject that into our society. He said, DeSantis is trying to punish Trump for the few good things that he did. DeSantis is despicable. He's disgraceful. This ad is disgraceful. And then he repeats again, he's worse than Trump. On MSNBC, Donnie Deutsch said on Morning Joe that DeSantis was the prince of darkness because he opposes LGBT. He said this LGBT thing is just, do you think this is moving voters? Are you really going to paint Trump as a patron of this group? Well, he is a patron of that group. And it did move voters to support DeSantis. These people can't understand it because they are so heavily 
on the other side. But yes, standing up to lockdowns, standing up to mandates, standing up to the grooming of children by the movie industry, by the schools, all the rest of this stuff, that is something that is going to move voters. He says, I don't know the voter that will see that and go, you know what, Trump, I'm gone. DeSantis, you're my guy. DeSantis is such a dark, dark, dark character. Trump, even though, you know, we eviscerate him and there is a likability if you are a Trump guy about him. He's entertaining. He is a lounge act. But this guy, DeSantis, is just dark. He's the prince of darkness. And that is one of the darkest, most bizarre, twisted, deviant ads I've ever seen. Men stripping down practically naked or getting naked in front of kids. That's not bizarre. That's not twisted. That's not deviant. It's bizarre, twisted, and deviant to speak out against that. And it's bizarre, twisted, and deviant to point out that Trump has been pushing that. He's been normalizing that. So um, even though he didn't go far enough on many of these things, even though he didn't do it soon enough, again, still more than the others. Uh, no, the uh, drag queens and the grooming and the sexualizing and the mutilation of kids, that's not bizarre, twisted, or deviant at all, according to these guys in MSNBC. Uh, so again, he said this is totally fair to note that he is conflicting, giving conflicting information on this. And... Uh, being a pioneer, injecting gender ideology as he's, after he's injected his mRNA stuff into our bodies. Um, he says, ultimately, when you talk about some of the gender ideologies being unleashed in this country, DeSantis said, in the state of Florida, we are fighting back against that. And, uh, of course, from the very beginning, I pointed out as Trump, you, you could understand where Trump was coming from, right? Why did Trump call him Ron DeSanctimonious? Well, because he opposed him spiritually. He opposed, uh, he opposed his spiritual Christian values. He called him sanctimonious. What's the matter with you? I love gays. You know, I love drag queens. I've always embraced trans people uh, in uh, beauty contests and everything. You're sanctimonious. In 2012, again, this is not about the Pulse nightclub shooting. In 2012, when he owned Miss Universe Beauty Pageant, LifeSite News points out, he repeatedly, Trump did, endorsed the inclusion of transgender women, in other words, men, competing with actual women in the name of what Trump organization called modernized rules at the time. And he was praised by the LGBT pressure group GLAAD. When he ran for president in 2016, he criticized the North Carolina law that banned male students from female restrooms. He wanted the boys in the female restrooms and showers. He said anybody should be allowed to use a bathroom they feel is appropriate. But when he got into office, he changed. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. He rejected the Obama-era guidelines and announced that the Department of Education would no longer indulge bathroom-related discrimination complaints. You see, he knew that you get what you want by bribing people and then blackmailing them to say that you can take the money away. And, you know, he didn't do that with a lockdown, did he? But funding is the way that you control people. Uh, a supporter of same-sex marriage, Trump nominated a variety of pro-LGBT officials to various government posts and judicial vacancies and continued some Obama-era LGBT policies, such as an executive order on gender identity non-discrimination and U.S. support for international recognition of homosexual relations at the U.N. Human Rights Council. So he joined with the U.N. to push this homosexual agenda. And, of course, the U.N.'s agenda against parental rights has been there uh, 15 years ago. I was doing videos about that. And it had already been around for a while. And um, you had had every nation sign on to the U.N. Convention for the Rights of the Child. Every nation had signed on to it except for the United States and Somalia. But in the United States, you already had the judges who were putting that out there in a de facto way by their rulings. We didn't have a process where they brought it up and publicly voted on it. They did it behind closed doors. Or the, they did it gradually, right? Iteratively. And then eventually they didn't push it through only the courts. They pushed it through the schools. And now it's kind of in your face, isn't it? Anyway, um, he actively courted LGBT voters with rainbow merchandise. But, of course, you know, these same people who have no problem with Trump doing that will target Target over it, but not target Trump. Uh, Trump was generally aligned with the social conservatives against the gender fluidity movement. His White House also opposed the so-called Equality Act. So those are the only two things on the other side of the ledger. But when running for re-election, Trump has pledged to protect children from left-wing gender insanity. Just as he flip-flopped on these other issues, he's going to flip-flop in a second term. He wants to be loved. He wants a, 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 um, a legacy where people are going to respect him. And you can already see all these people at MSNBC and CNN and these other places. Well, that's one thing I like about Trump. You think Trump doesn't know that? You think Trump isn't going to go full speed ahead on this LGBT agenda so that he'll be liked at least about something by these people? If he gets elected a second time, it'll be full speed ahead. So he had parties, uh, again, as Biden was signing the legislation to normalize uh, same-sex mirage. He was having parties at Mar-a-Lago for it. Um, he called um, what uh, Florida did, DeSantis did. With Disney, he called it unnecessary political stunt. Again, calling DeSantis sanctimonious. Uh, Trump's son, Donald Jr., got very, everybody kind of, as, as everybody was pushing back against Tren Hauser Bush, remember, with the Bud Light stuff? Uh, Trump Jr. came out and said, don't boycott them. They give us money. Remember that? Yeah, a lot of people, what's going on? Well, see, that's where his moral compass is. Uh, his moral compass is simply based on who gives him money. Uh, so, 
again, they say DeSantis is campaigning large part his record of opposing this agenda and of banning transaction, uh, transition procedures and all the rest of this stuff. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you've got other Republicans coming out, not just the Democrats, not just, um, you know, CNN, Van Jones, anything. You've got uh, former advisor to House Speakers John Boehner and Paul Ryan uh, said his name is Brendan Buck. He says, um, this is the kind of thing you'd expect from a fringe candidate, not the person who is number two in the race. I don't think it's good politics. Look, the Republican Party has a bad history on these issues. And I'm fairly confident that we're moved forward quite a bit and that Ron DeSantis is what he's talking about is not the future of the Republican Party. Well, I'll tell you what, if family and children are not the future, then I don't really care about the Republican Party. The Republican Party has no future if there's no families and kids. And the Republican Party is just an institution. It's a corrupt institution. The Republican Party deserves to die, quite frankly. I'd be very happy to see it demise. You've got people like this guy, Brendan Buck, uh, advisor to Boehner and Ryan and all the rest of this stuff. All these Republicans and Democrats sound like the men of Sodom. Give me your children. Bring them out. Give them to us, right? Even at United Methodists, they've lost a fifth of their churches over this issue. Folks, this is, this is a key issue. Uh, whether or not we're going to normalize this sin, whether or not we're going to oppose parents and family, whether or not we're going to victimize children, this is a key issue. This is a key issue that we're going to answer to God for. The split in the United Methodists uh, has been, they said, a long time in the making, and it mirrors controversies that are happening in all the mainstream Protestant denominations. Uh, even the Southern Baptist Convention, which is not a denomination, but even they are struggling with this issue. Are we going to be dictated to by this? Uh, so uh, U.S. membership, they said, has been in steady decline with the United Methodists. Uh, while overseas, the membership has grown, particularly in Africa. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because in Africa, they take the Bible and they take biology seriously. They take it literally. And that's why it's growing there. Uh, this is a the suicide of the West, spiritual suicide. This is our opportunity to refashion the church for relevance in the 21st century and then really focus on evangelism. Oh, really? Evangelism? Yeah, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? I never knew you, is what they're going to hear. Well, I said uh, that uh, one person pointed out that uh, this was uh, using Saul Alinsky's rules against us. It's Pastor Andrew Isker, and he wrote an op-ed piece. It was on uh, Gab, uh, Recovering the Christian Virtue of Intolerance. Well, that's interesting. And he says that because... Uh, they have recognized our values. They've used them against us uh, to uh, change all this. But he talks about the history of how all this came about. Talks about how we got to the point where they think that it's funny to say we're coming for your children. They do it all the time. The, the parades at the San Francisco Gay Men's Club. He says this uh, all came about like an agiprop campaign on TV shows like Will and Grace. And uh, Gray's Anatomy says, slowly the average person was socially engineered to believe that deviant sexuality was actually normal. No longer was a gay man associated with filth and depravity, but wholesomeness and goodness. He was simply a soft, gentle, 
misunderstood man, bullied by evil religious bigots. And the campaign was wildly successful. And he points out, and I didn't know that, I thought that every ballot initiative to define gay marriage had failed, even in California. And it did fail in California. Uh, but it did win in Minnesota in 2012. That's the only place that it won. But it was still imposed by the uh, Supreme Court uh, against uh, state laws, against the, we the people, against the power of the state, and without having any justification to make a determination to define what marriage was. That's the key thing about the Supreme Court. And even people that I've talked to that are honest about the legal issues who supported gay marriage said, uh, they don't have the authority to do that, to define marriage. That's nowhere in the Constitution for the Supreme Court or any federal agency to do that, any federal branch to do that. Uh, once acceptance of homosexuality became widespread in American culture, peaking at 59% of Republican voters, Republican voters, approving of gay marriage, the mask that had been put on in the 1990s of normal, wholesome homosexuals was taken off. Power had been won by the gay rights movement, and the time had come to humiliate any remaining opposition. This is what we're coming for your children means. And this is what it means when they go in and they demand that somebody custom bake a cake for them or do something else for them. It's pushing you into submission. And you will use my pronouns and this and that, right? Besides the skillful manipulation of the legal system, how did the gay rights movement succeed culturally? Well, the majority of the American public was repulsed by the idea of homosexuality. So how did they chip away at that? And how did they turn the strength of the, strength of the religious right into a weakness? Well, they adopted the Saul Alinsky tactic of using your enemy's rules against them. They recognized the ethos of compassion, mercy, kindness for the victim that pervades the culture of a once Christian nation. You see, it's just here culturally. It's not something that they uh, believe because this is what they've been taught by God and they want to follow God. No, it's just kind of, well, we've always done it this way. It's just kind of a tradition of culture. Uh, so they use that for their purposes. Matthew, Matthew Shepard was the poster child. Even though he was a meth-dealing homosexual who was tortured and murdered by his fellow gay drug abusers, they turned him into a victim. And we were led to believe that um, you know, he was a martyr, that somehow uh, he was killed because of that. Well, in a sense he was, but he's killed by his fellow drug abusers. So they used compassion, mercy, kindness, and tolerance against us. and then. They embody the very antithesis of all those ideas. As we've seen, they are dictatorial. They are authoritarian. They are dominating. They're predatory of even children. And they're full of hate for God and family. And we need to understand that. And we need to call it like it is. You know, we have to understand that they don't share our values. They use our values to get power. In the same way that I decry the fact that we've got so many people who are, are coming into our country not because they like our values, the American government, and they want to uh, support that. They just want free stuff. They don't want freedom. Well, these people don't want tolerance. They want dominance. And they don't tolerate you. 
Uh, in a neutral world, the time period where Christianity was seen as neither high nor low status from roughly 1990 to 2015, Christians who were aggressively against the gay rights movement came to be seen as nasty bigots who reveled in the pain of poor, oppressed gay people. And I got to say, you know, we, I don't think we did enough. I, I mean, I tried to oppose uh, Fred Phelps and the Westboro Baptist Church and these people. They were hateful. They were nasty bigots. Uh, they were out there protesting funerals of military people who, you know, well, we don't like the American government because it's, a, it's pushing homosexuality and because you were a soldier uh, for the American government, we're going to protest your funeral. I mean, that was just deranged. Just deranged, deranged, stupid, bigoted. And um, many people spoke out about it. I spoke out about it. But, uh, you know, that, that was seized upon by the mainstream media to represent us. So Will and Grace represents the homosexuals, and Fred Phelps and the Westboro Baptists, the media would tell you, would represent Christians. That's how they use this stuff. Uh, propaganda. We must never allow Christian compassion to be used against us to tolerate evil. You see, that's the key thing. Now, one area where I disagree with him on is he said it's become something of a shibboleth, shibboleth to say that we uh, hate the sin but love the sinner. Well, I don't think that is the case. I think that if we're going to tell people about Christianity, we tell them about the fact that whatever they have done in life, uh, Christ stands for a new beginning if you actually do turn and follow him. That's not cheap grace. It means that you've got to follow, and uh, you have to turn from what you're doing. But there's always that opportunity. And so that's why we don't hate the sinner. Jesus didn't hate the sinner. I got into a big thing with a guy in Arizona, a pastor, about that. You know, After the Pulse thing, he said, yeah, we need to kill more homosexuals. And I said, no. I said, uh, Jesus hung out with the sinners. And he didn't leave them that way. You know, he uh, told them to uh, stop what they were doing, but he offered them a way out. And we must not get to the point where we don't do that. It's not a shibboleth. That's true Christianity, in my opinion. Uh, but he points out, if you stop and think about where this is and where Trump is, is it, where Trump is is much worse than just what he does with the LGBT. And I've said this for the longest time. I used to always say, when they started their pride parades and stuff, I said, you know, there's not too many sins that people are proud of and parade in public. And that was before they were doing all the public nudity and before they had the drag queen story time hours and all, all the rest of this stuff. I said, what a strange thing that you would have a parade about your, you know, your sexual sin or whatever you're doing sexually. And that's really strange. I said, we don't have adulterers holding parades, but you know, we did, you know, we had Trump. He would parade his sin in public. They even did a movie about it, The First Wives Club. Because as he's leaving his first wife, you know, he was uh, trashing her in the same way he trashed people who were in his administration. Ruthless about it. Saying, look at this. And this new chick, look at how good she looks. Boy, nothing like that old bag that I left, that type of thing. I mean, it's just disgusting. And uh, what this author says is, uh, God created a world with an intrinsic order. Men are men, women are women. Marriage between men and women provides a foundation for human civilization and social order. It provides a secure transition of society throughout time. A man knows his children are his and can leave all that he has done in his life to them as his inheritance. By the way, that Plato didn't like that. You know, any dictator doesn't like that. A child is brought up 
with a connection to the past that preceded him. He was raised in security and stability with the nurture he requires from a mother and the protection and provision and guidance that he receives from a father. Okay, so that's the norm. That should be the norm. But then what happens to destroy all that? Well, before we got the LGBT, we had people like Trump and Hollywood, right? Sexual promiscuity, he says, disrupts all of this. Divorce disrupts all of this. Deviant sexuality disrupts all of this. You say it's a spectrum. And it begins with the kind of stuff that, you know, normalizing of, of divorce and promiscuity. It begins with all that. And nobody did more to normalize that than Trump did, you know, just like the rest of these Hollywood people. Proud of it. Proud of it. The foundations required for a stable, order soci- orderly society are totally upended by the destruction of marriage. Children in their most vulnerable formative stages are left totally unprotected from the most abhorrent traumas, and they're ripe for a lifetime of induced self-destructive behavior. So we've got to stop this uh, celebrating of LGBT, and we've got to stop the celebrating of Trump. Because you can argue about whether or not he is going to support the LGBT people, but he is as much of a problem as any of these drag queens, perhaps more because he comes in at the beginning of this. He is a spiritual poison, not just a vaccine poison to this country. If you love children, you will hate those who seek to rape them, he says. Uh, so we need to... Um, We need to understand where this is, and we need to not be ashamed of the truth. And yet, as you see where we are now, if we don't take this stand, they're very rapidly normalizing pedophilia. Oh, we're not groomers. Oh, we're not coming for you kids, except that we are. The WHO, the UN are promoting pedophilia. This is an article, an interview with um, uh, an individual from Europe talking about where some of the so-called right-wing populist parties are. Uh, the Hungarian party under Prime Minister Viktor Orban, the VOX party in Spain, the AFD party in Germany, the Freedom Party in Austria, the New Farmers Party in the Netherlands. This one person says um, that they're interviewing says, well, the purpose of this, these parties, their main goal is to defend their own people, not to defend some ideologies that are coming from some global organization. He said, however, we need to understand that they've not always been consistent in defending the life of the unborn. And we need to understand that even though they are identified as Christian parties, they're not Christian. He said, people in the U.S. and Canada need to understand that the Christian parties of Europe are not Christian anymore. They're basically more or less like the Mitt Romney conservatives, or even worse than that, they're even less conservative. He said, the old dividing lines, however, of left and right should not be standard anymore. We see where parties stand on abortion, on family values, and we vote accordingly. Uh, We shall know them by their fruits. What have the fruits of Trump and Biden been? Do you know who they are? That's why I say, look at what they do, not what they say. And we understand, as he said, they're normalizing the idea that children and adolescents can consent to sex even though we know that they're not psychologically mature enough to even understand these decisions. A seven-year-old child could be convinced by an adult to consent to sex because of the power imbalance between the two. He said, I think this whole pedophilia problem will be a major issue in the next decades. Well, it's already there. And the WHO is heavily pushing for pedophilia through modernized sexual education, pushing kids starting at the age of four. 
to have sexual experiences. And we'll get into it. But basically, this is uh, the kind of depravity that we have. And you have people now, this kid, speaking out against this. Uh, Daniel Black is his name. He said he started making plans with his doctor to surgically remove his penis just 30 minutes into a consultation concerning his struggles with gender identity when he was only 17. This is a guy who is a citizen of the Czech Republic. At the age of 19, he had it removed, and he got breast implants. And now, at 23, he's detransitioning. He said, one would have to be insane to believe that bottom surgeries are good for patients. The whole experience was horrible. It was exhausting. I was not able to finish school. My mental state went from bad to worse. I don't recommend undergoing this surgery to anyone. This January had the breast implants removed. He said, this destroyed my life. We hear this over and over again. We hear it from the Navy SEAL, Kristen Beck. He was an adult. He was much older than this. And he said they still got him psychologically. He goes, well, you're crazy if you think that kids can do this. But this is where the UN has been all along with the Convention on the Rights of the Child. We're going to say that children have rights. No, they don't. They don't have rights because they're not adults. They don't have rights and they don't have responsibilities. They have parents. That's why God gave us families. The kids do not have rights. They do not have responsibilities. They need to be protected. And if you say that they have rights and responsibilities, that's only the only purpose of doing that, obviously, fictional idea, is to remove the parents from the equation so that they can do whatever they wish to those kids. And so we see that this is happening. This is a real thing. Look in North Carolina. You just had, a, even as this guy is talking about how this destroyed his life, you got the North Carolina governor vetoing a bill to protect children from those types of surgeries that have destroyed the lives of so many kids who had this pushed on them at an age where they didn't have the maturity to make that kind of decision. And he says, we don't want to silence the teachers. Well, I do. I want to silence them, and I want to take them out. Uh, don't scare the teachers into silence. No, they should be scared into silence. And if they're going to continue to speak out, that'll be removed from the school. And if they then continue to groom kids, that'll be removed from society and put in jail. It's just that simple. So we, we need to get a perspective on this. We need to understand where the lines are drawn on this issue. And most importantly, we need to not have this Saul Alinsky tactic used against us so that we are ashamed, embarrassed to speak the truth, to protect the innocent. Uh, that is a responsibility that we all have. And it's also a responsibility to develop some discernment, and we'll be held accountable for that. Uh, so uh, do we have our guests yet? Okay. Well, let me continue on with this. I'm going to take a quick break. And um, we will be right back. When we come back, I'm going to talk. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. About uh, tech issues uh, that are happening, because they also involve uh, tracking and surveillance and speech. We'll be right back.
deceit. Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You're listening to The David Knight Show. Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it is truly amazing. And it is one of the things that uh, really kind of characterizes Las Vegas. You know, they always go for the garish, the spectacle and everything else. And I've never seen anything that is more bizarre, more garish, more of a spectacle than this giant eye. Look at this. Um, and, and of course, it's not just a giant eye. It's a massive $2.3 billion sphere, the MSG sphere. Now it changes from a human eye to some kind of a weird alien eye uh, that's there. Uh, the sphere boasts an impressive 580,000 square feet, and it features a fully programmable LED screen, making it the highest resolution LED screen in the world. It houses the most advanced concert audio system and includes atmospheric events like wind and scent to enhance the overall experience. <laughs> it is uh, truly amazing. And, and the scale of this thing, you can barely make it out because it's nighttime there, but now it's a little bit brighter. Look at how big it is compared to those cars that are there. Uh, there it is, some kind of an alien transforming ball or something. But uh, again, that's what uh, Vegas is for. And it um, <laughs> doesn't surprise me that um, you know Biden was uh, bragging about the fact, and actually videotaped him, uh, going 172 miles an hour in his Porsche while he was uh, high on his way to Vegas to uh, meet up with some hookers. And so somebody, as, <laughs> as a joke, uh, look at that as a, as a jack-o'-lantern. That is pretty amazing, even with the uh, candle in there. It's just amazing to see that kind of resolution at that scale. It's truly something. But anyway, somebody did this as a joke on Twitter. Uh, here is uh, <laughs> here is uh, Hunter Biden smoking crack on that same thing. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, I don't want to have any of the um, scent uh, experience that is a part of that. Uh, but we do have our guest ready. And um, again, he has uh, got an amazing story and a book that has just come out. And I think you're really going to be uh, amazed at his story. A Navy SEAL grew up in communist Poland. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to establish contact with him, and we'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com.
David Knight show is a critical thinking super spreader. If you've been exposed to logic by listening to the David Knight show, please do your part and try not to spread it. Financial support or simply telling others about the show causes this dangerous information to spread farther. People have to trust me. I mean, trust the science. Wear your mask, take your vaccine, don't ask questions. Using free speech to free minds. It's the David Knight Show. Welcome back. We're talking with the author of a book named The Pledge to America, One Man's Journey from Political Prisoner to U.S. Navy SEAL. Uh, his name is Drago Duran, if I'm saying that correct. Am I saying that right, uh, Drago? Does that get the last name? Yes. Correctly? Thank Good. you, Travis. Okay. Right. And he yeah. has had an amazing life, and it is an amazing book. And when I saw this, I thought, it's eh, kind of like a Navy SEAL version of Pastor Arthur Pulaski. People who've grown up in communism. Uh, have a love for liberty that unfortunately most of us who have grown up in America just don't appreciate enough. And he's had a lot of experience as a, as a Navy SEAL. He um, uh, was a member of SEAL Team 2, SEAL Team 4, and then was a BUDS instructor at the Navy Special Warfare Center in Coronado, California. So he's got a lot of experience, but I want to begin, uh, Drago, with uh, your beginning in uh, communist Poland. Tell us a little bit about that. You were a child there. Uh, what was it like growing up in that country? Well, like you mentioned before, I was born, I grew up in communist country. And, uh, well, let me clear it. We call it communist countries. Every country behind the uh, uh, Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe was branded a communist country. Mm -hmm. Well, none of these countries were actually technically communist. They were all communist. They were all socialist states run by communists and other perverts. So uh, this is uh, something that is people here do, uh, in the United States do not understand well. Talk a little bit about so, that distinction between socialism and communism. Well, in socialism, you actually can own property, although the all infrastructure, the major in, uh, economical infrastructure is owned by government. And because they let you have a little small business on the side, uh, doesn't mean that they don't control it either. And mm -hmm. like I mentioned in my book, uh, when... Uh, they destroy a business of my uncle who did not go along the party line, along the uh, uh, communist uh, ideology. So they, they went to destroy his machines, they destroy his business, and there is nothing he could do about it. Yeah. It is so kind that's, of a, interesting. that's a difference. In communist country, you don't own any property. There's other also uh, differences, but this is the major one that, uh, that uh, yeah, that, and it, I, I think it would be the easiest to explain. It is kind of interesting because, you know, both uh, the Nazis and uh, Stalin called themselves socialists. Uh, and, and Hitler criticized uh, Stalin for saying, hey, he took over the property and he's going to try to run these things. I'm going to let these people run it. I'll control them. I'll let them run it. And at the very end, I'll take it from them. 
<laughs> yes, it happened. It happened under Stalin. It happened under yeah. uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. It happened in Poland. Poland uh, under communists like my father yeah. and uh, other socialist states. So they basically they control the narrative and yeah. uh, they they let you have some business. But as long as you are going along with them, if you do not, then you do not have the business. You end up in prison, very likely. So uh, what ages were you when you were in uh, Poland and, and how did you get out of Poland? Well, um, by the time I was 21 in Poland, communists imposed martial law and they jail around 25,000. There are different estimates from 25 to 60,000 uh, Polish citizens in one night. Uh, they were hunting them on the streets. They were, the, the, the government was hunting them in their apartments where place they were living. So this is, uh, I was already involved in Solidarity Trade, solidarity trade Union. Uh, there, there was a, initially it was trade union. It became a social movement where almost 10 million Poles out of 36 millions at the time, 32 millions at the time, were members of this uh, trade union or more social movement. So communists were losing grip. They were losing control of it. And they were desperate to keep that control. Uh, killing didn't help. Terror since the Second World didn't help a lot. So eventually they resulted to martial law. This is how I got involved directly into it. Because when they jail these activists, when they imprison the, the entire families of people opposing socialism, uh, we had decided we had to do something. At least we can uh, print the real information what is happening in Poland because everything was heavily censored and uh, scrutinized so people did not have real information what is happening in Poland mm -hmm. and uh, we eventually because it was outside of the censorship outside of the communist narrative and fake news media they uh, we were arrested and I would receive three years prison sentence wow. so um, I was released on amnesty with most of uh, political prisoners after John Paul II, Pope, came to Poland second time. Mm. So when and then the persecution started. I was not the only one. I mean, everybody opposing socialism at the time was being persecuted this way or another way. For me, it became very dangerous since I was already convict. And let in, me ask you, uh, how long were you in jail before they? Uh, almost two years. Almost two years. Yeah, over wow. year, year, I think year and a half. Wow. Over a year and a half. So you did almost so the entire. When they really, uh -huh. You did almost the entire sentence that they had given you, and it was for the crime of printing information, having kind of like a yes, printing bulletins and leaflets. Wow. Actually, yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, when we look at this, it's interesting, isn't it, to see what has happened over the last couple of years and how uh, the hallmark of an authoritarian government is to try to control information and then to be able to identify people and hunt them down. As you're saying, as they hunted down people and arrested about 25,000 people one night, I'm thinking how easy that would be for them today since they have all information on all of us. It's much easier for them uh, to get that rather than to have to try to rely on a network of uh, human informants, right? They, they can just do it. <laughs> they can, they can uh, scan everybody based on, on your viewing habits and what you say on social media and that type of thing, which is really concerning, isn't it? You're right. Uh, people who control information control minds. Yes. And this is why there is two things that socialist state will attack and will try to uh, get control of. One is the information. Two is uh, 
they will try to destroy uh, family values mm -hmm. and moral values because it, the, the nation that is divided is easier to control. The censorship and, of course, uh, the big hallmark of totalitarian state is fraudulent election. That's what happened in Poland. Mm -hmm. And I know it very well since my father was high-ranking communist in Polish government. So I know a little bit from behind how that thing worked. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you get amnesty and you'd been sentenced and served nearly uh, two years in prison. Uh, you get put out of jail, but you know that it's not going to end there. And this is all happening. What? Uh, when was that happening? It's a little bit before 1983, 1984, okay. 1985. The, the martial law was imposed in December 1981. Mm -hmm. And, it uh, and uh, by the time I was released, I was still in effect. And uh, being terrorized and my family being terrorized, I decided to leave Poland at the time. I went to U.S. Embassy and I asked for help. Mm. What happened? With your fa your father was in the Communist Party. I mean, uh, probably didn't go too well for him having a, a son who was opposing the communist regime. Uh, what did they? What happened to your family there? Uh, my father was at the time uh, not with us. He left us when I was seven years old, so oh, he okay. really didn't have much to do with us. So mm -hmm. he was immune. Especially, he denounced uh, the, everything that happened in Poland. Uh, as far as the solidarity trade union movement is concerned and patriotic Poles who were opposing socialism, he was on the opposite side and he really didn't care what happened to me. So yeah, he was not affected by this. I see. But, so um, you got out of jail because of the general amnesty because of uh, the Pope coming there, Pope John Paul. And and then uh, you realize you, you got to get out of Dodge. And so you go to yes. the uh, U.S. Embassy and they accepted you, right? Uh, I guess. Yes. What happened? The, uh, I had all the documents with me. What happened to me in my court case? Uh, and when I presented to them, uh, my visa, my uh, immigration visa was processed in an accelerated uh, uh, way. And uh, I was out of Poland, I think, within three months. Usually it takes a year to even get such a, a permit yeah. from, the, from Poland and from U.S. Embassy to entered the United States, at least it was at the time. So within three months, I was out. Before we talk about what happened in the U.S., tell people a little bit about what life was like in Poland, the, the poverty or the, you know, the, uh, I'm sure under the communists, it was uh, a lot of poverty, always is. Uh, you know, what was it like growing up there as a child? You know, for me at the time, I didn't know any better. Uh, uh, I was... I look at it right now and I see how poor we were. But at that time, I was uh, I was happy. I have mm -hmm. my father, my my mother who took care of us because I had two siblings, and we they didn't understand the poverty until later on when we got uh, when we had a chance to see a little bit how people live in the West, mm -hmm. and uh, also I had a chance to live in Warsaw with my father for a short time. So I could see the information placed in the U.S. Embassy uh, walls or, or, or and fans where I actually read about it. And also I start listening, started to listen to Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, and that was eye-opener. Mm -hmm. But also it was very risky because you could go to prison if you listen to these radios in Poland at the time. Wow. Matter of fact, I was not even... Uh, when I started listening to it, I think I was maybe like 13, 14 years old. I could be placed, if caught, I could be placed in an orphanage. My mother could lose custody of me and my siblings because of that.
Wow. Matter of fact, they were threatened uh, by that. It happened that when I was in the fifth grade, when it was imposed that everybody in Poland will learn Russian language. Of course, we opposed it, and uh, I didn't want to learn Russian language. I didn't, at that time, it was not so much political. I just didn't want to learn another language. I had enough <laughs> problem with Polish. So, so, so I, I, I said to, to, to the Russian language teacher that why do we learn that? We don't need to learn. Besides, Russians are occup occupiers. The Soviet Union is politically occupying Poland. And while well, I didn't realize how dangerous these words were, apparently, <laughs> so I was immediately pulled out of the class. I was brought to uh, principal's office. They called police. Police, uh, wow. first they went to my mother. She was a teacher in different schools. So she drove up there. They basically kidnapped her. They drove her back to my school. They set us down. They tried to explain and, and, uh, uh, and, and threatening her. They say, if, if she does not instill more love for socialism, uh, we will be taken away from her place in the government custody. And then we can learn the proper, to be proper, good socialist citizens of course my mother was scared she cried i didn't understand really why this thing is happening but it was my first exposure to secret police to persecution and to the method the socialism works wow and you know what please remember too my, my family opposed that socialism because they survived quite few of those socialists they survived uh, joseph stalin socialism mm -hmm. they survived adolf hitler socialism and second world war mm -hmm. uh, national socialism then they survive Leonid Brezhnev socialist. Mm -hmm. So in Poland, they call it democratic socialism with thousands of people locked up in prisons. Mm -hmm. well, uh, so when you're listening to this and, and you could get in trouble if you listen to Radio for Europe, how, how did you do it? I mean, uh, well, the, the way we did it is my mother was scared to death. So she brought a bunch of pillows, as many as she could find in the house, because I told her <laughs> I'm going to listen to it. She padded me out, and then I could, under the pillows, because she was so afraid that one of the neighbors may, he, may hear it. Wow. And in Poland at the time, it's not much different than what happened in East German and Stasi secret police. I'm sure you heard about it. Oh, yeah. So she was so afraid that one of the neighbors can hear and, and denounce or report us to a police. But th and that could mean disaster to, 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 uh, to my mother, to our family. We would be separated from her very likely what what was it that that caught your attention what was it the western music what was it um, no what caught my attention was uh, my uncle i was mentioned earlier that uh, they destroyed the communists uh, in socialist state destroyed his business mm -hmm. so he decided to open his own business he was making bricks and uh, uh cedar blocks but he the quality of his work was so high that people stopped buying from government uh, uh, factories. They were going to him and uh, purchasing the bricks, uh, the uh, cedar blocks from him. So somebody complained to the Communist Party, and uh, they definitely they the police first visited my uncle, told him to scale down. The base even shut down and joined the government uh, factory and help up there. Mm. Uh, my uncle didn't agree with it. He says, no, I'm running my business. I cannot scale down because if I do scale down, I won't be able to, to make it. Mm -hmm. So he continued with it. And um, so the first thing that happened is they, the, the, the gangs of young uh, um, men came and destroyed his uh, machines. Wow. 
um, and threaten him. Say, if you continue with it, we're going to kill you. Wow. <laughs> so he said he didn't care about it. There was just young goons, young socialist goons. And uh, he decided to say he's going to do it again. He's going to rebuild the machine. He did. Wow. They ruined it again. Uh, by the way, when he went to police to complain, he was arrested, beaten up, tortured for a night, sent home, all beat up. So he rebuilt it. I think it repeated twice. And eventually he ran out of the resources to rebuild his factory, his, uh, his machines, mm. and he had to move on. But please remember, too, that the very uh, prominent feature of socialism is villain and the unregulated groups of people fighting these villains. So in Soviet Union, villains were kulaks, the wealthy peasants. Mm -hmm. In Adolf Hitler's socialist Germany, they were Jews. Mm -hmm. and, that, and we know how it ended up. In Poland at the time, there were also Jewish people, but also intelligentsia and anybody who was wealthier. So they create these groups of young people from factories, from schools, and that's supposed to be spontaneous. They call themselves anti-fascists and anti-Nazis. So my uncle, because he built this business for himself, he was branded fascist and a Nazi, Nazi by these uh, uh, groups. They were not formal groups created by the government, but they were secretly guided and, and supported by socialist government. And they were very, that, that was very scary for, uh, for many uh, citizens in Poland. Mm -hmm. And these young misguided people are almost a feature in socialist state. If you look in 1917, the Bolshevik revolution, there was the same thing. There was not Lenin and Stalin carrying out the atrocities killing and robbing people. There were those young pioneers and young people who were uh, uh, directed or instigated by communist party, by socialists. Yes. So we yes. need to be very careful about it. And, uh, and we see sure the same thing now, you know, I, we see the same thing. They always organize the same way. And, and uh, yeah. you know, youthful idiots, uh, you know, is, uh, is what I call them. They called them useful idiots. I call them youthful idiots. Because <laughs> but very dangerous. <laughs> there's nobody that's more useful than a youthful idiot. But, uh, yeah, that is the same. They keep using the same patterns over and over again because they work. And that's one of the things that's really. Well, they work. And also, please remember that socialism will not sustain itself without terror, without censorship, and without uh, fraudulent elections. Mm -hmm. So to impose socialism. Uh, the, the, the terror is necessary. There is one thing, though, that Joseph Stalin made one big mistake because he relied on terror only. Mm -hmm. Well, if he had the knowledge that we have today, if he had access to computer and understood social science, he would not only resort to terror, but he, he would also flood the republic, the states, or the countries he invaded with people who have no loyalty to that country. Yes. That way, he dilute the patriotism, attack patriotism until there is none. Mm -hmm. So that was very, uh, very normal for socialist state to attack patriotic poles, to attack, attack patriotism itself, because mm -hmm. it was on the way to instill this international socialist communist cabal. Um, of course, another you know, tactic that we see ha happening uh, heavily now in our country as well. 
Yeah. Well, I, I hope it will not go that way because yeah. it is easy to vote yourself or to, to fall. Actually, it's hard to vote because people don't vote for communism, but mm -hmm. you can fall into the traps of socialism and communism, but pretty much you have to shoot your way out of it. That's right. <laughs> well, it was very lucky because at that time there was no technology like we have today that can control your every step, every move. If communists had that type of technology, then I think Poland would be still communist. So I mean, socialist state run by communists. Yes. But again, that, I don't think this is the socialism or communism is the goal. The socialism and communism is just a tool mm -hmm. to control society. This is the best way to control society through terror, through different mechanisms, and the, and then basically the elites, the socialist elites, they can't have a lifestyle they want. They were never as Poland were. And other, in, as in Poland and in other countries, socialist countries, people were starving. The socialist elites, I never had to. They were, they were these oligarchs, what mm -hmm. we call them today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's always a way of uh, having um, elitists running an authoritarian regime. And that's the, the commonality. The, what they use in order to uh, trick us and deceive us into, into this step by step, uh, that can change from time to time. But as you point out, uh, with the technology that they have now, uh, if we do not stop some of the things that are being done, uh, we're, it's going to be very difficult uh, for us. And, and the world has never seen the kind of oppression that these people are capable of doing to these uh, totalitarians at this point. Well, let's pick up with your story now. You, so you, you listened to Radio Free Europe. I, I started listening to it because you were upset about what was being done to your uncle. And, yes, um, to my family. Because uh, he was – he. he it happened then quite often that he was just swiped from the street, brought to police station, beat up, held overnight, and just let let them go, let wow. him go. Wow. So uh, he was the one who explained it to me about Polish history, about the Radio Free Europe, BBC, Voice of America, mm -hmm. where to listen, one can learn about the real Polish history, because mm -hmm. the socialists they destroyed all the monuments that were not going along with, the, they were not uh, supporting their socialist communist narrative. They, they twisted the history, they censored the history to the point that we, in, growing up in Poland, did not know a lot about the Poles fighting Second World War on Allies' side. Mm -hmm. We were only, when I was growing up, I only heard about these heroes of Soviet Union, heroes of Polish uh, uh, satellite army in Soviet Union, who's uh, actually the, the, the input into Second World War was nil, almost nothing, versus the, the army that was fighting war on the Allied side from Great Britain. They, they, we didn't know much about it. They were hiding it. Mm -hmm. And then when people came back, some of these veterans from Second World War came back to Poland, to Socialist Poland, they were promptly executed or put in prison, most of them. Wow. Till today, they are still unmarked graves and, uh, of these Polish patriots, these Polish, Polish veterans coming back from Second World War. Many graves are, cannot be found. They are still looking for it. There are still people missing from the socialist uh, era in Poland. Wow. So, yeah, that was very, this is how I learned about it from Radio BBC, Radio Free Europe, that my uncle, who was tortured by communist state, turned me on to it. My mother was petrified, but uh, I think there was the right thing to do. I learned a lot 
mm-hmm. about Poland, about uh, what is ha- really happening in Poland. That's great. So, so uh, you're how old when you get to the American embassy and get approved? How old were you when you got to? America? I was uh, 24 years old. Wow. Okay. So, so then, uh, 23 years old, basically. No, I was 23 going 24. <laughs> wow. wow. And, and so you didn't get into the military until that. That's kind of a little bit old to get into the military. You had quite a career in the military. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you get into the military after you get to the United States? I mean, what, what drew? Well, I came to the United States in 1984. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had a great life. You know, I started as a janitor. I was cleaning toilets. I was cleaning uh, classrooms, schools, and, uh, and I was, as I learned English, because when I came to America, I didn't speak English. I did not have anything but the bag of clothes I came in with. Mm-hmm. So I, I started a lot on, from the janitorial work, but I didn't expect anything better. I said, when I, but I believe that when I learn English, when I learn more about America, I can definitely go progress and uh, get different jobs and do something else. And I did, but I started as a janitor, then progress slowly to uh, work in the, in the parts department of the dealership. Then I became a mechanic working for Saab and Mercedes and I was doing great. I mean, I, I, I love life. I started skydiving then. And then <laughs> the first Persian war broke out. I became US citizen at the time. So, I believe that this is my moral obligation to support my country the best I can. I'm American. Mm-hmm. So I did, uh, I, I, I went and joined uh, US military just because again, that was my moral obligation to mm-hmm. do so. So I dropped everything, uh, my, my work, my uh, friends, well, I announced that I'm going to join the army. That was kind of a little bit convoluted because I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I described it in the book. But uh, eventually, I ended up in the Navy and end up with, in the SEAL teams. Mm. And um, I then never intended to serve 20 years. My intention was to serve America during the war mm-hmm. and then return to my life, my good life that I had. It just happened. I never returned. I stayed 20 years. Well, that's amazing that, that, that you enlist in your, your mid-20s or something. And, and uh, Oh, yeah. And they identified- I was... I was I was 32, I was 33, but 33, that's way too too old. But you know what? I was doing so well, I guess, in boot camp. Uh I graduated as a number one recruit from entire the graduation group. (laughs) Then I did also graduate at the top of my class from A school, the trade school in the Navy. So when I asked for my orders to go to SEAL training, uh, it took maybe a few months, but I eventually ended up in in bands as a student, as a trainee, trainee uh, wow. in the SEAL program. So you had no intention of, of getting in the Navy so that you could become a SEAL. You just got in uh, to do your duty. Yeah, no, my intention was not about the SEALs. I didn't, I didn't really know much about the SEALs. So I, didn't, I didn't hear about them until I met them actually in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So but my intention was just to serve the Navy and uh, serve the America in the Navy. And it just happened that I ended up in the SEAL teams. And I'm very proud of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's one thing I I need to uh, stress here, that I'm as extremely proud as I am being Navy SEAL. uh, I think there is uh, something much more important for me than being just a Navy SEAL, uh, being American citizen. This is something that is so precious. That's something that you don't see me uh, wearing the Trident, the Navy SEAL Trident in my lapel because I wear American flag and American flag encompasses the seal and everything else. What, what is good about America? 
Good for you. Good for you. That, that's a great message. I, uh, it is amazing. Tell us a little bit then, you know, what, what was that like? You're going in and, uh, again, you're, you're quite a bit older than all the rest of these other people. That, that's such a grueling, um, you know, program to go through. A lot of people can't handle the, the physical aspects of it. You must've been in excellent shape in your 30s and you- yeah. I don't know if I was in excellent shape, but I was definitely determined to succeed. Yeah. But uh, yes, you are right. I was like almost four years, five years over the age limit. So I had to obtain a waiver from the Navy. Wow. And I think that what helped me is just my performance uh, till that point within the Navy that such waiver was granted to me. So yes, you're right. I was 32 years old and it was literally kicking my butt mm. physically more than mentally. Mentally, it was, it was not really nothing that mm. tough. And my attitude was also different. I didn't go up there to try, like I hear, I used to hear it all the time. Well, I'm trying to be the best. I'm trying this, I'm trying that. Well, I didn't go there to try. I just went there to become a seal. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that's great. I, I love the attitude that you have about all of this stuff, your, your career as well as your country. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you, you said uh, you had time uh, as a SEAL, you saw combat. Uh, you know, any stories that uh, uh, you want to relate to us about uh, your time in the Navy SEALs and what it was like? Well, it was the greatest time in my life <clears throat> and it had a, a huge impact of my life today. So, yes, I joined, I was older person. But once I made to SEAL teams, there was not really not, not much difference. I was treated the same way like anybody else. And uh, my, uh, you know, there's one I would like to say one more thing, because I see so many divisions in our nation happening right now. When I went into U.S. Navy, when I became U.S. citizen, the first thing I learned is <clears throat> that we all have only one color. It's red, white, and blue. There is no other color we should be concerned about. And there is that all of us are Americans and in the heart we are red, white, and blue. We don't see other colors. Mm -hmm. So, and when I came to, uh, of course, my, my language barrier was not very helpful with the, for me at the time. So I had to put extra work in my English in my, uh, as I was mastering my Navy SEAL skills. And eventually uh, the second war broke out and I deployed to Iraq at the time and uh, that was actually one of the longest deployments I ever made because as the West Coast SEAL platoons were deploying and were active in the war, the East Coast was preparing itself for the war. And uh, me and my SEAL platoon deployed to South America. In the middle of my deployment, I was called that, hey, you need to go to Baghdad. We're going to send you to interface uh, our guys with Polish Special Forces Grom. And um, you're going to be spending three months up there. So after six months total deployment, because in the Navy, we, we do uh, most, uh, six months deployments mm -hmm. most of the time. So after six months, you come back, you join your new platoon and start over. Well, three months passed and I, I was still there. Nobody called me. So uh, I kind of enjoy what I, what I did. I believe it was so important. So I didn't say, didn't say anything either. So that instead of three months, four months, five months, six months, seven months, eight months, <laughs> nine months. Eventually my night vision broke out and broke down. So I had to call my command. And it's like, where are you at? I'm Baghdad. Wow. Okay. Wow. How long have I been there? Like almost a year, nine months, <laughs> on a year on deployment. Oh, well, 
Okay, you need to come back. They just <laughs> forgot about going you. Next. <laughs> they just forgot so about you. So I came you. back, then uh, I went on for to, to help out another SEAL platoon. I went with uh, uh, just for two weeks, but it happened four months later. My SEAL team is calling me and say, hey, you need to come back because we are going back to Iraq. So you just come back and go back to Iraq again. <laughs> so I came back, then uh, after a short workup, uh, went back to Iraq again. So it was pretty pretty intense back-to-back wow. deployments wow you say your night vision broke down you're talking about your device not your eyes right oh yes oh yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah my my, uh, my uh, night vision goggles broke down and uh, i had to call my command i say hey i need a new one can you send me a new one and actually funny story that's funny they don't know that you're was, there <laughs> yeah yeah who's new seal who was there I say okay well you want the night vision where do you want them i said like in baghdad oh okay what do you want else with it you want a suicidal bomb vest with it they thought i'm just iraqi trying to elicit i think this is what he thought there's a new, there's a new guy in the armory he said do you want it yeah so i had to kind of like straight him up <laughs> explain it to him that's funny but well, you know the thing then, is it, we listen to your story and and uh, the things that you went through in, in poland uh, you know, the experiences that you had with authoritarianism, totalitarianism, uh, the brutal police state, uh, the mass arrests of people and all that type of thing. You came to this country, you valued freedom. And that used to be the common thing that we would see with people who would come here. A lot of people would come here uh, from Europe in the early 20th century, had nothing but the clothes on their back, just like you. They came here because they wanted freedom. And, and that's a big difference, you know, and, and it, it is... Um, I, I guess one of the things that I'm concerned most about as I listen to people who have lived under communism and they talk about the eradication of history, the eradication of monuments, the rewriting of history, the radicalization of youth through the institutions that have been taken over. And of course, that is essentially the, the plan that they, they have, you know, taking over these institutions and taking over the, uh, the minds of kids from a very early age. Uh, it is very concerning to see that. And I, I think that's that's got to be one of the most important aspects of of your experience, uh, the the experience that you can bring to us, uh, telling us uh, what we can fall into if we're not careful, uh, why uh, America is not this evil presence that is uh, what is being sold to the the kids in the institutions today. You know, the, everything is about demonizing America, and um, and I, I think that's a key thing: the love that you have for the country. The, the commonality, the melting part, uh, melting point aspect of uh, this. And um, it, is, uh, it is something that's really been, I think, deliberately set aside. I think it's very important for people to see a book like this. Uh, it's, um, I, I'm glad that you did. Tell me the title. You, you talk about your pledge to America. What is your pledge to America? Well, when I came to America, first day, from the first day, I had the help of American people. Um, see, America is built on goodness, on, on personal freedom, on, on so much, there is so many good things about American people that when I faced this, when, they, when, I, was, when I was embraced by America, I, I told myself that I will be the best American I can be, best American citizen I can be. I want to be better American citizen today than I was yesterday. And I will be better American citizen tomorrow than I am today. That's my pledge. That's my. That's what I. Uh, what I believe. That's how I live now in, in my family. But you are right. The attacks on family, on patriotism, 
is very common. This is something new to America and the people really do not understand the, the tactics mm-hmm. of communists and uh, socialists. So what they will do, and now we are in the phase of desensitizing, the, the, the uh, normalizing uh, poverty, poor living conditions, normalizing perversion, normalizing uh, uh, debauchery. And people do not, so what they do, it is very slow process. Mm-hmm. And with the help of fake news media, with the help of uh, all kinds of perverted organizations or, or outright enemies of the United States, uh, slowly what is happening, the older generation that knew freedom, they knew what the freedom was, they knew how good it was, how great America was, they are fading away. So basically what communists do, do they just wait it out. Mm-hmm. They want to wait out and, and fade these people away, fade these people away, make them disappear, and bring the young, new generations already indoctrinated into socialism and socialism socialist way that don't know any better, any different. And this is how slowly they subvert America. This is the process called, like I say, the uh, sensitization and normalization of poverty and perversion. And it is kind of interesting, as you pointed out, and I've heard other people say this, uh, not just, you know, coming from another country, but um, uh, I've heard people say this uh, about growing up in America. Uh, you know, we were poor, but we didn't know it, you know. And, and I think people look at, um, you, you can not know that you're free. You cannot understand the good things that you have until you lose them as well. And I think that's kind of where yes, we are but, in America right now is that we, we were free, but we don't recognize it. We, we have good things that were given to us by previous generations, but we don't recognize it. And they're doing their best to make sure that we don't know that and to change the narrative of that. And I think that is really uh, where we are. Especially the new generation don't yes. know it. That's what is very important for them. This is why there's these attacks and these attempts to hijack our children. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's, this is a very dangerous process. And is not well understood uh, in American society. That's why we need to be very vigilant because we can lose a freedom very quickly if we are not vigilant. Uh, the, 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 the freedom that we have is not passed to our, like President Reagan said, is not passed to our children and our blood. That just they, they, they need to learn it. We need to teach our kids. Yes. And this is a very important part for the parents too. They, the schools, if, if, the, if school gets perverted, if, if school basically is trying to hijack our children, parents need to step in and parents must be able to educate the kids the way they want it. Mm-hmm. So this is why that you can see right now so much stress, so much pressure, especially in democratic run states to kidnap our children away from parents and indoctrinate them in the socialist way. Again, I don't think that socialism is a, a goal in America. Socialism is just a vehicle, a mm-hmm. tool mm-hmm. to subdue the society, to control the society, and uh, we must not allow it to happen here. Yeah, it's just the America is they, not socialist state. That's right. It's just the argument they use to uh, to to sell. Yes, that, to yes. Sell but that. please remember, America is not socialist state, uh, mm-hmm. not yet, and we must make sure that that doesn't happen. That's that's right, and it is a. Uh, it is a fight for the next generation, and if we can turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children, that'll make all the difference in the world. Or if God does it, that'll make the difference in the world. And, and, and you know, it is a, the type of thing they have marched through the institutions, 
And uh, one of the last institutions, one of the most important institutions is the schools, and they've now marched through those schools. But we still have uh, an opportunity where people can take control of their children's education. If they understand what is happening, we still have that freedom to do that, which is still an amazing uh, amazing story. I had a listener who contacted me, how they uh, fled out of Sweden uh, because they wanted to homeschool their child, and it was illegal. Uh, there, as it is in many European states, to even homeschool your child. So we have a choice. You know, you can put your child in a private school. You can homeschool your kids. You don't have to send them to the institution that's been taken captive. And, and that's the key thing. We're going to have to to fight for this. And I, I think your book, uh, giving people an idea of uh, what it is like to live under communism, your appreciation for freedom and for America, I think that is really key. And that may be one of the most important things that you fight for right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we don't want to have to shoot our way out of it. As you said before, it's really important to, to fight this war at the beginning, isn't it? Yes. The book was, the book was written because I, when I share my story, I heard most of the time, wow, the communism and socialism is so bad, you know, you need to write the book. I don't want to, to write the book about how bad socialism and communism are, the, everybody most of the people know it mm -hmm. i want to use this book as a prism as a lens when people read it they can see how great america is how unique america is Good. how that we can love this country we can build it we can make it better even but we need to uh we, we need to love it first what disturbs me is the hate Mm -hmm. I see towards America from our own citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was hunting terrorists in the Middle East, and I have to admit that I haven't seen so much hate towards America from these terrorists like I see from some of our citizens yes. here in America. This is very disturbing. This is something that uh, we need to address, and this is coming from our educational institutions, our schools especially the higher education was hijacked by Marxists and communism. And this is something very disturbing that we need to address and address fairly quickly. I agree. And I think it's very important for books like yours. Talk about you don't want to focus on the negativity about how bad communism is, but talk about what's right with America. And that is a big part of what is missing right now. You look at it in the arts, you look at it in education. It's one of the reasons why uh, Brave Books and Kirk Cameron were doing that. They want to show people a positive vision. And we see some movies that are now being done by some new movie studios showing people a positive vision. Disney, when I was a kid, was showing us positive stories about uh, the American Revolution or about uh, Davy Crockett or whatever. We were proud of our history. We, they focused on uh, the freedom aspects and the commonality of man and the uh, you know, opportunities that were a part of America, the beauty that is there. And that's what is missing, and that's what needs to be recovered. I'm glad that that's the focus of your book. Because we consciously need to give people a vision of what to aspire to and a vision of uh, what is right with America, what we can fix. Certainly we want to know, but we also want to know uh, what is right with America, what is beautiful and celebrate that type of thing. That is something that really is missing. I'm glad you're focusing on that in your book. We need to unite. We need to yes. unite as Americans, definitely, and do not allow these divisions to happen. They, the, the enemy of the United States will use these divisions to destroy America the way it is. You know, I'm not concerned about a bunch of Chinese 
guys landing on our beaches or parachuting on our land. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I'm concerned about America being attacked from within. Yes. And uh, there is a program, and uh, I think people are, some people are aware of it, but it's not generally known that the best way to dismantle America is from, with, from within to purchase a political party and politicians and then just guide them through or, or demand this or that. And eventually the America we know will stop exist and will have a totalitarian state, very dangerous. And uh, again, this is not, it, it is not here now, mm -hmm. but we just must be vigilant that it doesn't happen. You're right. Yeah, the greatest danger is the danger of rot from within and decay from within. And, yes, and, I mean, look know, at the White House now. Sorry? My, look what happened. I mean, the, the, this family turned this, the most cherished institution, the most cherished place in the world into a crack house. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. how is that? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And then how is it that they get away with it? You know, that's the other exactly. part of this. <laughs> well, the, how they get away with it, I know because I experienced it in communist Poland. But the, yeah. uh, my father, who was a communist, he used the same tactics and he used the same influence uh, to protect his assets and his things. So then that's something that we need to be careful about here. That's true. Yeah, even as we look at, uh, the, you know, the judge who came back against the Bidens in terms of censorship and said, uh, you know, uh, no, this is this is not going to stand. Um, this is uh, you've set up a, an Orwellian ministry here of censorship. Even as that was happening, you had uh, people in mainstream media saying, "No, we want the government to censor. We want people, the government, to control speech." That's the danger that we are right now. It is really pervasive, and so that's why it's important for people uh, to get your perspective. I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Wh where's the best place for people to get your book? I'm sure you can find it on Amazon, and you've got a website there. Uh, yes, my website is right above my head here. Yes. That's my uh, where you can actually go um, and find a little bit more information. There will be some uh, posts that didn't make into the book mm -hmm. that uh, I'm going to go and out and expand on it. I think that's important. So yeah, you can purchase it on Amazon, Barnes and in the bookstores like Barnes and Nobles, mm -hmm. Books a Million, um, and uh, yeah, it is available now. Okay. And, and, uh, let me tell this to be, I'll have it in the uh, notes, uh, for the show, uh, but pull his, uh, website up there again, Travis, so I can uh, read this off to people who are listening with podcasts. It's a D R A G O D Z I E R A N.com. Uh, so it's uh, Drago and the last name is D Z I E R A N. The book is the pledge to America. Sounds like a fantastic book. Thank you so much for what you've done for our country. What you're doing now is really important. Uh, it was honor to serve. Thank you. Showing for us, a, holding a mirror up. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, and, and showing people, you know, what is right with America, uh, showing people what we need to preserve, that is one of the most important things you could do. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break, folks, and we will be right back. common man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. 
That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com Well, that was an interesting interview. And uh, as I said, you know, you don't know what you've got until it's gone in many cases. That's the problem with us. He, you know, like so many people growing up poor, he didn't know that he was poor. And so many people who are complaining about uh, slavery and many other things that they use to divide us against each other don't realize how free they are and don't realize that the real agenda is to lock them into a slavery like mankind has never, ever seen before with the technology that is available. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, is going on in the White House as he was uh, talking about that. I'm, I'm going to come on to, uh, uh, again, to talk about what's going on in the military. Uh, he mentioned that to me as we were going out. He says, yeah, I really want to talk about what is happening in the military right now. And that it, is, uh, it would be good for us to talk about that. So we'll get him back on. Uh, I enjoyed talking to him. Uh, this uh, from Babylon B. Hunter Biden heads to Carowinds Amusement Park after hearing that there's crack on their roller coaster. And of course, you know, they, somebody noticed that there was a big uh, structural crack on the uh, roller coaster. But um, I guess he's uh, going there, not wasting any time either. As I mentioned earlier, you know, 172 miles per hour, some of the photos that he took of himself speeding while he was also smoking crack. I guess that's a, you know, he's on double speed, right? Is, is crack speed or is that, uh, is that a formula? I don't know. I don't know anything about drugs, but um, fortunately, uh, I think it's a real blessing. But yeah, he uh, took pictures of the dashboard of his Porsche clocking speed at 172 miles an hour on his way to Vegas. Also reportedly took a picture of himself smoking crack while driving through a residential area. This is not Babylon B, by the way, uh, in Arlington, Virginia, on his way to the airport that same year. Huh. I wonder, could it be? <laughs> could the powder be his, of course? Uh, Biden was reportedly on his way to meet multiple prostitutes in Vegas and text... Recovered from his laptop, revealed that at least one of the prostitutes was uncomfortable as he had invited too many girls there. Yeah, this is a guy who actually um, got kicked out of a sex club because <laughs> he was just too crazy. I mean, that's that's getting, uh, getting pretty desperate when um, not even the sex clubs will accept you, I guess. Uh, Biden previously admitted to being high while driving in his 2021 memoir that he called Beautiful Things. I haven't seen any beautiful things in his life or his memoirs. He wrote that uh, one time he nodded off behind the wheel and crashed his car outside of Palm Springs, California in 2016. Quote, waking up an instant later, I found myself in midair. The car having jumped a soft curb on the passing lane and soaring at 80 miles an hour into a cloudless blue sky, heading into the gulch that divided I-10, he said in the memoir. I guess he's lucky that he's still alive, but um, he's more lucky that his uh, father 
is there to cover up the crimes that his father has worked his entire lifetime. Joe Biden has worked his entire lifetime to lock other people up for far less than Joe, than uh, Hunter has done. That's the other thing that really bothers me about all this stuff. Experts are baffled at the White House invoking the Hatch Act, the Hatch Act, in order not to have to talk about the uh, cocaine questions. And uh, it is strange. Uh, the Hatch Act is something that if you have federal employees who actively engage in, um, in politicking, essentially, using uh, federal resources for campaign purposes. That's what the Hatch Act is about. And, and you can get in a lot of trouble if you use federal resources for campaign purposes. So how in the world does that apply? How is that some kind of a, you know, I plead the fifth. You know, I can't talk about that. It, it makes absolutely no sense. But, of course, nothing in the Biden administration really uh, makes any sense. Um, uh, it's just uh, an exercise in raw power and raw corruption. Uh, so, um, they have refused to respond to any questions. Uh, we are not looking at doing any investigations. And of course we all know, as I said yesterday, uh, the, the alibi that the press secretary came up with was, oh, you know, we've got a lot of people who are going through there. And it's like, um, yeah, but you know, you, you do a lot to vet people who come into the white house, don't you? Ex except for the first family, you know, they're about the only people who don't uh, get inspected with a fine tooth comb. Well, of course, maybe there's also Alex Soros, who is, um, you know, son of George Soros. He's been at the Biden White House at least 20 times uh, that they've recorded it. But of course, who knows how many other times he's been there. And um, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, <laughs> maybe it's his stuff. I don't know uh, what these guys are into. But um, it, it is truly amazing that um, they just want to pass this off as, oh, we have no idea. Anybody could have been in there, right? We don't control the people who come into the White House. It's just a public area, right? What an absurd alibi, if ever there was uh, anything that was absurd. The UN is planning to seize global emergency powers, as I pointed out before, and, of course, Biden is there to help them. Uh, this proposal, as the Federalist says, may be the biggest attempted power grab in the history of the UN. And if approved, the U.S., as we know it, could cease to exist. And I think that is very true. But I, as I said before, when I was talking about this uh, today, I said, um, look, the U.S. as we know it will cease to exist if we don't get rid of these rules and these precedents that were established with Trump and then extended by Biden and, and reinforced by Biden. Uh, we cannot have um, the kind of lockdown martial law uh, that uh, was enacted for the pandemic and allow America to exist as well. Supreme Court, by the way, shut down, as they shut down Biden's $430 billion student loan forgiveness plan. It is amazing to hear these people who, um, uh, and I heard it, I was in the car, I was listening to um, you know, NPR while I was in the car. I actually did that. <laughs> because it was kind of interesting to hear these people that they had on just whining about how, well, now I'm going to have to pay off my student loan. What did you think when you signed up for this thing? You, you're now some kind of a hardship case because you got to pay off what you voluntarily entered into? And it is interesting to see the reactions, which you don't have time to look at. Uh, other people like RFK Jr. saying, well, he deserved to lose because he hadn't sold it properly. It was absolutely no power to do that. It, there was no power under the Constitution for him to do anything at all like that. Well, we're at the end of the program. Have a great weekend.
Let me tell you, the David Knight Show you can listen to with your ears. You can even watch it by using your eyes. In fact, if you can hear me, that means you're listening to the David Knight Show right now. Yeah, good job. <laughs> And you want to know something else? You can find all the links to everywhere to watch or listen to the show at thedavidnightshow.com. That's a website.